We'll be live. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> the saying, woo, new stamp, bitches. <laughs> and okay, cool. We have Rudrish here. We have AGAs here. We have Will Philly here. We have USSR 2.0 here. That's an interesting name. We have Music Guy here. Mm-hmm. We have Emmett Browns here. Hi, everyone. And music guy is confirming that the idea is good. We're going to be Thank covering you. the we're going to be covering the news on atheism, religion, secularism, and related stuff. Uh, Ghost Bunny saying, "Oh my God, hello, hello, hi, Ghost Bunny." <laughs> uh, right on time, secularity today. Right on time, so good. That means we can start because secularity is here. Okay, cool. Hi, Christopher. All right, cool. Um, today's news is it generally good news or bad news? I think I have mail. We had like two weeks of like pretty normal good news, and then That's this good. week it it's it's a rougher week. We're going back to a rougher week. I'm not gonna really? lie. But I did what you suggested, news. where I put I put the heavy stuff at the front, and then it just gets progressively better. Okay, okay. But the first one is also very good. Well, yes, this is the most amazing thing in the world. So I had to change my, as soon as I heard about it, we, I changed the whole lineup and this came first. All right. Hold on. Let me share the screen. All right. So I don't oh, have to ask. Oh, wait a second. Dorina is saying hello there from the Republic of Moldova. Oh, well, wow. hello from Atheist Republic. <laughs> yeah. Hi, hi, Dorina. Um, so I'm going to clap for the first news. First news. Yes. Right? Oh, wait, we're also live on Twitch. Thank you so much for confirming that. Guys, follow us on Twitch, link link in the description. We're live on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, and YouTube, right? I said YouTube. Uh, YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and LinkedIn, yeah. All right, so I'm going to clap. First news. First news. <laughs> Secular activist Raif Badawi freed from Saudi prison after 10 years. After 10 long years, Raif Badawi, a prominent human rights advocate and founder of Saudi Free Liberals Forum, is finally free after being arrested in 2012. In 2008, Badawi started the Saudi Free Liberals Forum, an online blog where members debated the political and religious affairs of Saudi Arabia. In 2012, Badawi was arrested in Jeddah and charged with, quote-unquote, insulting Islam through Islamic uh, through electronic channels. He was initially punished with 1,000 lashes. In 2013, the punishment was extended to seven years of imprisonment and 600 more lashes. However, in 2014, the Saudi Supreme Court upheld the initial sentence of 1,000 lashes and extended Badawi's sentence to 10 years in prison. He was also fined more than $260,000, and a 10-year-long travel ban was imposed on him. Ensaf Hader, Rife's wife, has, has been living in Quebec, Canada, along with their ch- three children since Rife's arrest. Ensaf told uh, agency France Press that she uh, that her husband ha- called her about his release. Reporters with, Without Borders tweeted that they will ensure that he will be able to rejoin his family in Canada despite his 10-year travel ban. Oh, wait, he can leave? No. He can leave? Oh. 
So this is very similar to the um, feminist activist Lena Al Huthul, who you know mm-hmm. fought for women to be able to drive in Saudi Arabia after mm-hmm. she was finally released from prison. Um, they put a travel ban on her for at least two years, uh, which is, you know, people interpret as a way so that these people can't become mm-hmm. celebrities, you know, escape and become celebrities and human rights campaigners abroad to keep them under their control within their jurisdiction and under their thumb and keep them silenced. Right. And so for, he needs to stay in Saudi Arabia for another 10 years. Um, that is what the judge ruled, um, back several Mm. years ago, but there are lots of people who are going to be fighting for him to leave before that. Um, Mm. a lot of, so, you know, there's been huge global campaigns for Rife since his arrest. And mm-hmm. it's really unfortunate that he actually did have to serve his full sentence. I believe his sentence finished on February 28th. So he had to serve the full 10 years. But mm-hmm. so I was talking to Ali Rizvi and Ali is a family friend of the Badawis and is often talks to the press on behalf of Rafe's case. And he was saying that now it's really, really important time to mobilize. Like the fact that he was released is amazing news. And this really needs to be breathe like new life into fighting for his case so that we can help get diplomatic pressure so that he will be released early. And what's really interesting, actually, well, the video that I want to play will go into this, but I have to say the government of Canada has really gone, I mean, there's there's things to criticize, but for the most part has gone above and beyond to campaign for Rife, who is a Ooh. non-citizen, as well as his sister, who um, Samar Badawi is a uh. female rights activist who's been imprisoned many times in Saudi Arabia for her activism. Um, and Canada froze relations with Saudi over the case of the Badawis who are non-citizens. Um, right. So there's a lot of hope in terms of how the government of Canada can really go further in intervening and maybe getting him home faster. Um, so Ghostbun is saying the travel ban is effing stupid. He's not free until he's able to be reunited with his family. Um, his, is his family going to meet with him in Saudi Arabia or are they going to stay out of Saudi Arabia? I have no idea. They haven't spoken about that, anything like that to the press. But I mean, I because can't. That doesn't seem safe to me. Yeah, that doesn't seem safe at all. So technically, after even his even when he's free, he still can't see his family. So technically, he went from a smaller jail cell to just a bigger cell. Jail. He's still kind of in jail. He's just free within the country, but he's still not free because he can't. He has to watch. He can't be open about what he's saying. He can't be critical. The fa- his family now have to be more careful about what they say because they could easily just put him back in jail. So, and we can't be very aggressive about how, what we, how we talk about this because we don't want to, you know, we don't want to cause too much trouble as well for him to go back in jail. So technically, like, this is like kind of scary, you know? I mean, not kind of scary. It's very scary. Like, you have to watch yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And Definitely. you know it's so it's so frustrating because you have to actually be. This is a case where you have to actually be very polite when you're doing your activism, 
against you know for his for him to actually become free free like real free out of Saudi Arabia you have to be careful not to make things worse so mm-hmm. these these like these people who are responsible for all these human rights violations and you want to basically give them a piece of your mind you just have to like you have to just like be very respectful and be very you know very you know gentle about like thank you thank you so much for bringing him out of jail you're so amazing thank you can we please have him out of the country right because you can't give him you know they, these are evil people but you can't give them a piece of your mind because because now like, you gotta go put him back in jail if you're like don't watch your, what you say so it's so it's so infuriating that you have to be so respectful to the people who have separated the father of your children mm-hmm. right from your children for 10 years and instead of like being angry with them you have to act like that you love that you are oh my god thank you so much for for just letting him free right now like imagine having to thank the people who have did this to your family like that's like that's torture that's psychological torture i don't know i hate it i hate it i don't know it's so messed up um can you play that video that i sent you because it explains yeah. another interesting aspect of this. Dolly okay. is saying, this is crazy. They want to imprison in the country. Are those people for real? <laughs> it's happened to a lot of other people, unfortunately. Yeah, this is. <clears throat> All right, hold on. Let's go. Guys, can you please don't, don't distract me with other news. We're talking about this news right now. Okay. Every Friday for a decade, loud demands here for Raif Badawi's freedom. Oh my God! But today, his wife says she can't find the words. Her husband released at last after 10 years in a Saudi prison. It's been a long time since I've woken up in the morning with a smile, she says. In 2012, Badawi was jailed in Saudi Arabia after he criticized religious figures and promoted liberal values of Islam online. His sentence included a thousand lashes. He received 50 in a public square. That sparked widespread outrage, the United Nations calling it cruel and inhuman. After that, he was not lashed again, though he did serve the full time. His daughter, now 18, says she can't wait to see him, but that reunion is uncertain. Another condition Badawi faces, a 10-year travel ban upon release. As far as organizations like Lawyers Without Borders, we will continue the campaign. We will continue to have a close watch on this, and we hope uh, this part of the sentence is not applied. Activists say the federal government should also step in. There's still a lot of other uh, places where Canada can meet and discuss with Saudi Arabia. Uh, The United Nations being one, but there's plenty of other places to discuss. Badawi's wife has Canadian citizenship. He doesn't, though Parliament did unanimously pass a motion asking Ottawa to grant it to him, a move pushed by the Bloc Québécois. But the government has not gone ahead with it yet. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau tweeted today that officials are now working to seek clarity on the conditions of Badawi's release, while his family and friends say they'll keep fighting until he's here. Wait, they said something here that I wanted to add a point, but I don't know, I forgot what the point was. Hold on. Wait to see him full time. 
Calling it cruel and inhuman. After that, he was not lashed again, though he. Oh yeah, not lashed again. I just want to highlight this point one more time because he was supposed to get more lashes than he got, but it was online activism that a lot of people dismiss as useful. Um, that eventually got those lashes to be removed. Like a lot of people keep always act. Like, oh my God, Saudi Arabia, do you really think that Saudi Arabia cares about your online petition? Like, apparently, they do, okay? Apparently, somebody managed to get less lashes on their back because of the online pressure that all these activists managed to bring on. So whenever, like, you know, you know, so many people dismiss online activism. Like, remind them of this. Remind them, like, there's sometimes, yeah. Here's a, here's a, here's an honest truth. Most of the time it doesn't work. Most of the time it doesn't work. Sometimes it works. And these online activism, like trending a hashtag or signing a petition, it doesn't cost you anything. So give it the goddamn signature. Make the goddamn tweet with the hashtag because of the few times that it does. The few times that it does make a difference. It's worth makes the whole thing worth it. Even if it works one percent of the time, that's at least one at least one person not getting like hundreds of lashes on their back. You know, it's so popular how people dismiss this. Even like even PewDiePie, I was like, oh my god, look at these petitions. People think petitions making different. The the world's biggest, you know, one you know individual YouTuber. Like, it's just spreading around the idea that these petitions don't work. So w- imagine if they are actually working. Imagine spreading that idea in the world that they don't work. You are, how irresponsible do you have to be to actually be spreading the idea that something that could have saved someone's lives, you know, spreading, putting that idea out that they, it might not work. That it, does, it, it never works. Are you not afraid of being actually responsible for somebody experiencing more lashes on the back because something that you didn't do any research on whether or not it works? You just irresponsibly claiming that it doesn't work because it doesn't work in one, a couple of instances that you saw. Like you have to be, yeah. How could you sleep at night knowing, like knowing that there is a possibility that you are responsible for? taking the power away from a tool that actually could make a difference. Anyways, online activism, don't completely dismiss it. People are like, oh, you're just keyboard warriors. Like, you don't do anything. Well, I, well, you see, it makes a difference. Show these examples to people who want to dismiss it. Anyways. I'm so happy. No, <laughs> Suzanne is genuinely happy. Look at her. <laughs> No, what? Tell us. What is? It? <laughs> Wait, can you um, like scroll down so we can see that picture? Which one? This one? Yeah. Like oh. when I watched that news story about them celebrating yesterday, I was just like, "Holy crap! Look at how big she is!" You know, like what really struck me is, um. Rife is the same age as you, Armin. And you're muted. 
No, I said, wow, um, I didn't know that. Yeah. He's been in this prison since he was 27. Since he was like the same age as me. It's... I don't know. I just... It really... It, what has happened to this family really breaks my heart. Just because he wanted to promote better ideas to people. <laughs> for doing something that we take for granted every day. Or most people take for granted every day. And the rights they take for granted every day. For saying that's something worthwhile. That I would like to have. That I think my community should have. And his wife must be one of the strongest first people alive <laughs> to take her three children by herself to a new country, <laughs> figure out how to raise them, provide for them, and protect them by herself, standing by her husband for 10 years. and starting global campaigns for his defense. I'm in complete awe of the character and person that NSAF is. Like the strength of character that that takes. It's, it's, it's astounding. And you know something that I just found out yesterday? Um, uh, the volunteer who helps us on our team write the blurbs for the news told me that in Urdu, in Arabic, NSAF actually means justice. No way. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> NSAF is, by the way, for people who are not following, is the name of the wife. Rafe. And Wow, that's, that's, <laughs> that's so poetic. It's amazing. I'm just so happy for their family. And I know that it's going to be a lot longer, longer than anyone would like before they can see each other again. But it must be, it's a huge step forward. So mm -hmm. <laughs> I get so emotional about this. This is the third time I've cried since yesterday over this. Yeah, and actually, you know, you. I'm glad you put that in perspective because all like, we ha I have to remind everybody that all he's going through all of this simply for wanting more for his country, for things that the rest of us just simply have and are so ungrateful for that we just take for granted. Just being able, having freedom of speech, having secularism, you know, rights that we enjoy that other people like him have sacrificed so much. And we're just like, of course, it should be like this. Of course, it is. Like, duh. Like, this is how, the, how it is. De you know, the de facto state of things are like this. But like, are, so many other countries don't have that. And somebody dares just mention that this might be a better way to live and they have to pay this price 
This this is a huge price. Like Armin, mm-hmm. you started in public ten years ago. Think about if that whole time in your life was actually just a prison. Yeah. Well, I started Atheist Republic when I was in Iran, but that's the reason why I didn't, you know, I didn't come out, you know, I just used the label Atheist Republic. I never used my name or anything because I was afraid of something like this. So I only became public about it when I left, right? Mm -hmm. But yeah, imagine I would be, yeah. Atheist Republic like started 15 years ago. Like imagine like five years ago in Iran, I was arrested for it while I was still in Iran and I would be coming out now. Jesus Christ. God damn it. All that time I was being in jail. Holy crap, man. Okay. Why are you scaring me like this? This is like putting things in perspective. <laughs> this I'm is what this is what I think about. <laughs> all this, all that time. God damn it. And I, I, that's horrifying. And I don't have children. Imagine it would be like, I would be, you know, imagine you had children that are growing up and you're not even seeing them every day. That's like hell on earth. Yeah, never, you yeah. know. That's not a price anybody should pay. God damn it. Yeah. Not that a price anybody should pay for anything, let alone just for like, hey, how about some secularism here? How about some free speech here? Just like, and saying it in the most polite, mild manner. You know what I mean? Like, like if you go and see what Ray said, he was like, just like, nothing he said was like in any aggressive or impolite or radical way, right? He just said the most mildest things in the most polite manner. No, nobody deserves like this punishment, let alone for for a crime that is not a crime at all. God, Today, crazy. I learned that he's been nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize twice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I hope that helps us, case. Yeah. Anything in the well, live chat you want? Yeah, go on. The last thing I want to say is, like I said earlier... You know, this is a huge cause for celebration, but it is also a call to mobilize. So I encourage people to go look up Rafe's case on Amnesty International because they provide a lot of resources about how you can um, help campaign for him because now is a really important time to push. And um, I will also be talking to some people I know about to see what we can do as well. So big cause for celebration. Um, and I want to give a special thank you to the atheist public news team because this came out, this news happened yesterday. Usually we can never turn a news item around that fast, but for this we push and we did it. <laughs> so no, thank, thank you to the AR news team. Good job to our editors and our news team. Fantastic. And our writers and you, by the way. Yeah. Thank you, Susanna, for making sure we have this news. Um, can we clap for the next news? Yeah, this is just like ridiculous and silly. Okay, good. We needed that. Uh, next news. Next news. Patriarch of Russian Orthodox Church blames liberal values for the Ukraine war. <laughs> um, on March 6th, during a Forgiveness Sunday sermon, Patriarch, uh, 
Kirill, the head of the Russian Orthodox Church, hinted that pride parades may have played a role in the conflict that escalated into the invasion of Ukraine. Kirill implied that the expanding adoption of liberal Western values justified Putin's war. According to him, uh, the... (laughs) The war in Ukraine is a test of which side of God humanity will be on. He also described the war as a conflict between the supporters of gay pride parades, including the Western governments and Russia. Quote, in order to join the club of those countries, you have to go, (laughs) you have to have a gay pride parade, he said. Kirill accused Ukraine of warming up to the Western powers by allowing LGBT communities in gay pride parades to flourish. He claimed that, quote, if humanity accepts that sin is a variation of human behavior, the human civilization will end there. He seemed to imply that Putin is protecting the values of the Russian-speaking and heavily contested Donbass region in eastern Ukraine, stating, quote, in Donbass, there is a rejection, a fundamental rejection of those so-called values that are offered today by those who claim world power. <laughs> Kirill explained, quote, we know that if people or countries reject these demands, they are not a part of that world. They become strangers to it. His comments have led to a schism within several Russian Orthodox communities and public calls for him to amend his statements. Yeah, this is why the Ukraine-Russia war has turned into conservative versus liberal values global side. Like you see, you know, a lot of right-leaning people just taking the side of Putin on this because they think that this is more about Russia and Ukraine. This is about two different value system. Like Ukraine has become the stage for, you know, the, the fight between good and evil and what they consider to be good is traditional family values. Right. And against this degeneracy and, um this crime against nature itself and all things good and all things wholesome and all things that makes a society whole like the, you know the father and the mother and you know the traditional gender roles and all of that by the way this guy looks like a chess piece doesn't he <laughs> wait <laughs> 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 what did you just say to me? Does it, <laughs> it like I always thought like the bishops and the chesties like I didn't I like why do they look like, how how is this a bishop? Right? It doesn't look anything like a bishop. Now I realize that the, apparently the bishops and the chesties they're like ultra orthodox bishops. <laughs> Because that's what they, because he looks exactly like one of those chess pieces. <laughs> so. oh, Dolly's in, yes, he does look like a chess piece. <laughs> oh my God. I'm not wrong. Oh my gosh. Yeah, this this whole, what you were saying about this contention of it, it in some ways it's a reflection or you, people are put, maybe... It, do you think it's a reflection of, or people are just imposing the cultural, the culture war 
narrative onto this conflict because what you were saying about you know seeing it as these values of tradition um versus like like modern degeneracy is um that there are a lot of right-leaning people in the U.S. who side with Russia because they think that it is a better reflection of their values than the United States. Like, there was this woman, I think she's, like, running for Congress, who was saying, like, yeah, you know, he's for Christian nationalism, like, he's against abortion, he's against, you know, this LGBT agenda, blah, blah, blah. And she was openly praising Putin for these things. And I was like, oh, girl! <laughs> What do you think? Do you think there is an aspect of it this that is genuinely about culture war, or is that just something that because the culture war is a topic that is discussed, you know, in society, that this is just being imposed onto this conflict? Uh, no, I think it's it is about the culture war because because I think COVID broke Putin's brain, right? <laughs> maybe like that. Maybe. No, yeah, I think he thinks he genuinely thinks this is a battle between light and darkness. You know how I know this? Oh boy! Oh, why? Why? No, because he said so, right? <laughs> no, he literally said so. Like he comes and he thinks that. Okay, so he. Okay, so I don't know if if you know much about KGB agents, okay? But they they be a bunch of conspiracy theorists, right? Oh no, they're they really think, paranoid. They're extremely paranoid. Okay, so Putin is also an ex KGB. Actually, he's not an ex KGB agent because he claims that once you are a KGB agent, you will always be a KGB agent. So he's still a KGB agent. Okay, that's what he said, right? But these people think like, I don't know if they if they if you're a KGB agent, okay, and you open your fridge and you want milk and you ran out of milk, the world is conspiring against you. To make sure you don't get milk this morning. Okay, that's how it works. Okay? They're trying to like... deprive me of calcium because they want me to be weak. <laughs> <laughs> so the exactly. US can take over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So these are people like seriously, these people think like there's like ears in every goddamn wall. And the the most minor things is like a ch is chess move between the great powers, right? That's what they think, right? They're like, and you know, Putin hates the fact that he thinks the natural order of things is to, for the world to have two great powers, right? He doesn't even want, like, for example, the United States to fall. He wants, like, he likes the idea of having, he thinks, like, everything would be in balance if there's two competing world powers just, like, correcting each other, right? So he, like, you know how bad situations were during the Cold War? Putin thinks that was fantastic, <laughs> right? He, he just thinks like, he thinks the world is going out of balance because there's one world power and there's not another world power to keep this other world power in check, right? And he thinks like, if, like it's not just like politics that is out of order because of this imbalance. He thinks nature is now being threatened, like everything good and natural, like all this weird degeneracy that is coming out of West is potentially because of not having any resistance to whatever values is coming out of this other world power, right? Like because if it was, you could put it, you could have it, you could, it would be limited to what it, what ridiculousness it could introduce to the world, right? So he's he seems he's he wants to make Russia back to 
being the superpower that it was, not just because of Mother Russia, okay, but because of the what makes you know for humanity itself apparently okay for the sake of putting nature back in order right so that these people apparently according to putin don't come and suggest that men could be women women could be men you know again this is not my like putin and again these are putin's like i'm not this is not my i'm, I'm not microanalyzing i'm not like a psychologist that is uh, this, these are his words okay i'm like you know so he like he wants he thinks he's like great corrector right and by the way for you atheists out there uh, who think like putin atheist right-leaning people who think uh, putin is based he thinks religion has a major role to play to um to fight against any any religion he doesn't even care right he thinks traditional religious values are a guardian for these values for these conservative values right because he wants to fight this fight. Interesting. Yeah, on an individual. I mean, he would be kind yeah. of correct, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he would be. That's why he defends religion. Like that's why he's not like a uh, one of the things he disagrees with communism. He he wants to use religion as a tool to fight against these Western values on an individual basis, not just on a geopolitical basis. He thinks religion is the only, he thinks religion is the way to go into people's households and, you know, because politics, you you know, politics cannot do that. Right? So he's mm -hmm. a defender of religion, traditional religious religions as well. Um, yeah. So he, he, you know, this is not, they literally think they are, th these liberal values are a force of, are forces of darkness. They call, he calls them that. So yeah, welcome to the dark side. By the way, this is the dark side. We are so apparently... yeah. We're like, holy <laughs> crap, man! <laughs> right. right. This is why he needs to be crushed. By the way, yeah. Hmm. Well, man, this makes me want to me want to ask you oh. other questions about this issue right now, but it's off topic from the news story. Yeah, just one more thing, though. The reason why I think COVID broke his uh, broke him because he's already like that. He's like already prone to like conspiracies and stuff. But Russia during the pandemic, they went through. Um, they acted like this is not a thing. Okay, this is why they had one of the worst like cases. Like it spread everywhere because they didn't lock down. They didn't. They were really bad at it. And relative to other countries, like it was spreading like more than every more than most other countries. It was horrible. Russia was this was a huge blow to Russian to Russian people. Okay. But even though to Russian people, they were like not locking down and just letting Russian people uh, pay the heavy price for it, Putin himself treated it like a plague individually. I don't know if you know this. So they were publicly they were they were acting like this is nothing, but privately Putin he isolated himself. He was so paranoid. I think some people argue that's the whole reason behind these long tables, you know, that he he has when he meets with people. He's extreme. Like I maybe like I don't know if he's a germaphobe or it's because of the pandemic that he's now a lot more sensitive. But he has gone through two years of. Uh, isolation 
okay? Like not meeting with that many people, except some people that are crazier than even him, right? Like, <laughs> no, seriously, like he- No, I know. <laughs> originally, when Putin came to power, he was meeting with so, a diverse group of people and opinions, including a lot of people who were more liberal-minded and more in line with like opening to the world. And you could see the effect that those people had on him, on his policies, and it was good. But more and more, he's now his the circle of people who are around him are people who are crazier than even him. And he's actually among those people, he's the more rational thinker. Like he's like a he's the one that is like calming them the down. Moderate. They're, they're moderate compared to them, right? But he's been isolating himself more and more, especially during the pandemic. And it might be, again, I don't know about this, but some people, experts are arguing that maybe all that separation has made him even more prone to conspiracy and also thinking of, you know, anyways, over over overplaying his role or overseeing his role or his greatness and, you know, and what he can do and what this is all about, right? Yeah, so... Might be. Anyways, do you want to read some? You want to add anything? Do you saying that he had the longest table ever? <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. so glad that the internet has as much of a collective fascination with Putin's tables as I do. Like I really <laughs> like get in there and like psychologically analyze them. Like these freaking tables, man, or or the rooms where where he has his cabinets for television, the proportions of the rooms and where he's standing, what's going are, are just bonkers. Um, so I, yeah, it's something I, I definitely have a lot of interest in. <laughs> All right, you want to read any other comments before I bring up the next news? Um. <laughs> Music guy is saying that he he's compensating. No, I don't think Putin needs to compensate, but okay. <laughs> um, actually, he does. Yeah, but never mind. I won't talk about more of Putin's psychology today. Okay. Um, what? <laughs> You're just funny. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right, all right. Can I clap for the next? Oh, no, I can't. Jesus. No, this is not good news at all. This is actually like one of the worst news we've covered in a while. Okay, next news. Next news. Bombing at Shia Mosque kills... Uh, bombing at Shia Mosque in Pakistan kills over 60, claimed by ISIS. Armin, do you think I can say the full name? Yeah, let's just say it from now. It's okay. Fine. So um, on March 4th, a Shia mosque in Pasharwar in northern Pakistan was attacked during Friday prayers by a suicide bomber, leaving at least 63 dead and 196 injured. The Islamic State claimed responsibility for the attack. The chief of the Peshawar police stated that the police guarding the mosque had an encounter with two attackers. One of the attackers and one of the officers were killed during the ensuing crossfire. A senior police official added that the remaining attacker, quote, entered the mosque and started firing on the worshippers before detonating the bomb. Officers have said that the bomb was packed with five kilograms of explosive as, explosives as well as ball bearings, which caused massive casualties. Imran Khan, Pakistan's prime minister, in a tweet called the incident a, quote, cowardly terrorist attack. 
Reuters reported that even though the Pakistani Taliban is known for attacking the minority Shia community, they have distanced themselves from this particular attack. Okay, Ghost Bunny, I don't think you understand. Ghost Bunny is asking, why would Islamic State attack their own people? It doesn't make any sense. Why are they killing other Muslims? Oh, okay, Ghost my Bunny. goodness. Oh, my. Ghost Bunny, where have you been? These are Shias. These are the their worst enemies. They would like, they would, this is the greatest insult to them for you, for you to say that these are their people. I was actually, when you were describing the news, I was just thinking about the ISIS sh uh, shooter, like when he's like shooting at, all these people inside the mosque, how, you know, I can just imagine in his mind, he doesn't have to worry about a single one of these bullets being justified or not. Because to them, the, the Shias, again, YouTube, this is not my word, okay? I'm just describing other people's word. These are the, to, to the ISIS shooter, these are the worst of all people, right? Like, you cannot they they when you when you're shooting into a crowd of people praying inside a Shia mosque, he he has he doesn't have to in his mind he doesn't have to worry a single bit at all whether or not any of these kills are justified because they are praying inside a Shia mosque, right? He feels so justified in every single kill. He must be so, he must feel so honored and so proud of knowing that none of these bullets are going to waste. Because, you know, how more, how more, how much more confident can you be about whether or not you're killing the right people if you are inside a mosque of Shia prayers, according to like an ISIS shooter? It must, you know. For people who aren't familiar, can you explain what? the animosity is why the hatred because that's not obvious you know about oh so with between the practices the shirk all that stuff so for someone who doesn't isn't familiar can you explain yeah i mean shias are the uh, are people who um have done to, according to you know maybe people from ISIS and many other Sunni fundamentalist groups and arguably fundamentals of Sunni Islam, you know, these are, these have, these are people who are uh, doing the greatest harm to Islam and committing the greatest sins. So much of a sin that it's its own category, not even a sin, right? The, the most fundamental part of Islam is the, is the concept of Tawheed, which is the oneness of God. And, you know, there's nothing more damaging to Islam uh, when some people challenge that with the concept called shirk, which is meaning knowing, bringing partners to God, bringing partners in worship to Allah under the disguise of Islam itself. You know what I mean? These Shias would be more hated by Sunnis, by, some, by these Sunnis, than us, for example. Because what we do, we don't call it Islam. These people are like, you know, changing Islam, corrupting Islam under the banner of Islam, right? How could, what could be more corrupt? What could be more evil than that in their minds, right? Um, like, I think most people here in the live chat know that the, the main enemies of ISIS are Shia Muslims. 
Like it's not atheist. It's not, you know, Western imperialism. It's not Zionism. It's not the Jews. The main enemies of ISIS is Shia Muslims. Uh, they consider the greatest corruption, the greatest insult to Islam. Right? So, yeah. Yeah, what I thought was interesting about this is the fact, well, this was, this was, I am Islamic State in Khorasan. I can never say it right. How do you pronounce it the right way, Armin? Khorasan. Okay. And so there are some news reports that claim that this was carried out by an ISK member from Afghanistan. And then that person came across the border and, and went to Pasharwar to do this. So far, the authorities like are not really acknowledging if that's true, but I believe that's what ISK is claiming, which is interesting considering that there's been a lot of contention with Afghanistan and Pakistan with militants. And I think there is a contention right now partially because the government wants Afghanistan to release some of the Pakistan, um, uh, Pakistani Taliban members back to Pakistan, but they won't do it. Um, and uh, the, this is also one of the most deadly attacks that's happened on Pakistan in years. And now this issue is really starting to rear its head again, but this time with ISK. Yeah, this is insane. Um, it's not a it's not a fun time to be a Shia, by the way, in mm -mm. Pakistan right now. Like, if it's not ISK, it's even their own Pakistanis, their own. You know, these might be. So you're saying these are fighters coming in from Afghanistan? That's what I've seen reported. Hmm. But they're also getting like the Shias in Pakistan also are uh, getting it like are also getting a lot of attacks from the, their own population as well, their own Sunnis as well, recently. It's gonna it's, it's like Yes. Yes. You know. So, you know, I'm I'm it's it it, it might be like we are you know, we are Atheist Republic is going to have to do a lot of focus on, you know, defending Shia Muslims apparently in the foreseeable future yes like you know we would have to do a lot of activism and bringing up attention to shia you know we get a lot of criticism by the way when we do that you know because like we we go after shia islam especially when we're talking about iran right but then all of a sudden in pakistan we we're in a position of defending shia muslims against the oppression that they're facing from Sunni Islam, for some Sunni Muslims, not all of them, for many Sunni Muslims. And people think that's, that's hypocrisy or that these, these Shia Muslims don't deserve the protection that, you know, or the awareness that we're trying to spread, right? Um, which is like, you know, it's only hypocritical if you don't understand what we're trying to do here, right? We're against Shia Islam, but we protect Shia but we're in favor of protecting Shia Muslims against oppression. In the same way that we are against Sunni Islam, but we're in favor of protecting Sunni Muslims, for example, in Iran against the Shia oppression, right? But 
again the, the mindset of like all oh, these shias deserve what they're getting because they are also the same people who would do this in iran or even the shia muslims who are in pakistan for example they this you know what comes around comes around uh, what goes around comes around or something like that i don't know what the saying is like or karma or shit, stuff like that um because these are the shia they say that these are the shia muslims in pakistan who were oppressing ahmadis right um this none of these arguments work on us because you, you know most of these people most of the people who have a collectivist mindset and they hold an entire population of people responsible for actions of some individuals and want to you know attribute guilt by association right and just you know think that they that an entire group of people are deserving of uh, experiencing you know, crimes like this and oppression like this just because other people within their own community have done something else. I, I feel like these people, people who are who think like this, I feel like sometimes I, I get the sense like their mind is broken. Like I, I think like sometimes people who ha think about um, justice and fairness uh, from a collectivist, you know, they have a collectivist mindset. I feel like they can't even comprehend the way we look at things with like us individualists where mm. we like look at every individual and what you know and what they mm -hmm. are what they deserve and what they don't deserve when they hold an entire community responsible for an actions or the ideas that they have or for the actions of some people in the community i don't, sometimes i feel like we we never we're, we don't get through to them because their brain just works on a collective you know and they can't even fathom why we are like they can't even relates to how we are we think about things as individualists right so it's like they're on a completely different wavelength so even when we explain things to them it's hard for them to even understand where we're coming from i don't know no i i totally get what you mean you, you put that really well because that's something like i i have a I have I have a really hard time in the opposite direction. I can't understand how someone could have such a collectivist mentality. Yeah, sometimes I feel like maybe we're just wired differently because it seems like most people are. I think like humans because they're social animals. Um, most of us are wired to think collectively. Like maybe like this is to like some extent, one hundred percent. Yeah, maybe it's, and it's maybe it's not a bug in the system. Maybe it's a feature because it uh, tribalism. You know, tribalism is was at least in nature when we were uncivilized helped in our survival, and it's potentially um, maybe we are the bug, right? We are the bug that we were the bug when we were uncivilized, and now we're the feature, right? But maybe we're just a there, there's a reason why we're the black sheep. It's not just because we had anything to. Um, do with it maybe like we were just wired differently maybe it's somewhat natural you know but if it is if that is the case if some people are just incapable of think not thinking collectively then we have to come up with other solutions beyond just introducing people to better ways of thinking right because maybe they can't maybe they can't be individualists so what do we do what what sort of activism do we um you know try to come up with that addresses the fact that no amount of spreading awareness is going to work on these people they just that's they just think collectively right so i don't know what the answer to that is but it's something that keeps me up at night anyways 
<laughs> well, I think I I I think it is highly cultural how individualistic versus collectivistic we are. There is a part of us that is innately going to be collectivistic because we need it for our survivals survival. But if you just look at different profiles statistically, you know, em empirical evidence of how different countries um, orient on a spectrum for uh, these kinds of values like individualism versus collectivism, it's so heavily concentrated amongst different um, kind of cultures and different areas that it, it, it just seems highly, highly social to me. So that means that there's a lot of potential for change. Yeah. Okay. I hope so. <laughs> All right. Let's go to the next news. Can we clap for this one? Um, uh, you know, no, because we don't like it. Okay. But we can clap. We can start clapping for the other ones. Okay, okay. Next it's not news. as bad. It's not as bad as the last news. Okay, okay. All right. Next news. Okay, next news. Another Indian state proposes anti-interfaith love jihad law. On March 4th, Anil Vij, the Haryana Home Minister, sponsored the Prevention of Unlawful Conversion of Religion Bill. The proposed bill will, quote, uh, prohibit, quote, religious conversions which are affected through misrepresentation, force, undue influence, coercion, and allurement. The bill also aims to stop conversions through, quote, any fraudulent means or by marriage uh, or for marriage. The bill effectively criminalizes interfaith marriage and interfaith relationships, making Haryana the 11th Indian state planning to adopt this law. In Uttar Pradesh, since the law was enacted in December 2020, over 50 individuals have been arrested. Those convicted face up to 10-year jail sentences. Quote-unquote love jihad is a religious conspiracy theory which claims that Muslims across India are plotting to convert Hindu women through marriage. Uh, Raj Hivir Singh Kaidan, uh, Kandan, an MP of the Indian National Congress, accused uh, Vij and the BJP of advancing a hidden agenda in their anti-conversion bill and even tore up a copy of the bill in the state assembly. Many members expressed strong, strong opposition to the proposed bill, calling it unconstitutional and accused BJP of creating a, quote, divide in society on the basis of religion. Okay, so how would this work in effect? Like, work us through... So how many states have been have this law right now? So at the moment in Haryana, this is just being proposed. It hasn't been put into law yet, okay. but there, I believe it's on the books in nine to 10 other states. How many states are there in India? I think there are 28 states and principalities. People correct me Wait. if I'm wrong. How do you know this? I didn't expect you to know this. Actually. <laughs> What the hell? I had to create a survey of our Indian uh, consulates. So I had to like look, okay. look this up for... It's 28 states and <laughs> 8... And 8... 30. What? Okay, you're... Why do you know these things, Susanna? You know too much. This is unrealistic. This is like... <laughs> unbelievable. Okay. Oh, God damn it. Um... <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, so okay, that's a that's a huge portion. That's like more than yeah. a third of states of India. Like I thought this is just an Uttar Pradesh thing. I thought this is like the, this level of crazy is only one state and that's UP. But you're telling me that more than one third of India, Indian states laws, I was going to say more than one third of India has gone crazy, but I realized that would be like a strike worthy comment to make. I meant laws. Okay. I'm talking about one more than one third of Indian state law has gone insane. It's gone insane. Like, how is this a secular country? How is this a secular country when one third, more than one third of its states have a law that says if you are a Hindu and you're a Muslim, you cannot love each other. They literally call it love jihad. Like they literally are have come up with this conspiracy theory in India that think that people who are falling in love with each other, they're conspiring to take down India by being better at flirting with Hindu women than Hindu men, Muslim men just going around and being just so charming. This is the this is the Islamic, this is the conspiracy, okay, that Hindutva believes in India. Okay. Muslim men are just so good at being charming to Hindu women, and they're using this superpower as a way to make the entirety of India Islamic. Okay. Throughout the Islamic history, Islamic history, Islam has taken over either by sword or by trade, but they have failed with India. So with India, they have come up with a new plan, and they all have taken classes on how to talk to women and how to be charming and how to woo them, right? They have taken dating classes, right? And flirting classes or whatever, right? They have come up with the best pickup lines the Indian subcontinent has ever experienced. Right? Oh, dude! <laughs> <laughs> Something that Hindu men can never achieve. And with these, with this new power of them, they're going around India and they're just taking over Hindu women one by one, right? And all these Hindu women cannot resist these amazing Islamic charm, all right? And they're falling for them. And this is their plan. Apparently, this is their evil plan to Islamize the entirety of the Indian subcontinent. And they had they call it love jihad. And they are saving the Indian subcontinent from this takeover by Islam by making this illegal. Right? This is like not a joke. This is like the reality of how laws are working right now in India. As the so-called secular, the greatest secular country in the world, like this, this is how joke your country has become. Like this is how pathetic. This, this is a the biggest joke that your country's law laws are a joke. It's just something for the rest of the world to point out and laugh. And these are the same people who are like, oh, we're better than the Western world. Are you? You're a laughing stock. You're pathetic. This is these are your laws. These are the laws of your country. Your, your country has turned into a joke. Man, when you were describing your rendition of a love, the love jihad conspiracy theory, I was cracking up because I was envisioning a bunch of Muslim men like sitting in the seminar of a pickup artist, <laughs> like their training classes. 
and then literally they, what they think the way you were describing i was like you know if we were in a different political climate this has the makings of a hilarious comedic movie <laughs> by the way you get i i hope people don't think like i know this is funny but this is literally what's what they think like I want you guys watch some documentaries from India. Like this is literally the guys, the Hindutva. Okay, they have camps for men to come train to be able to detect Hindu women that might be falling for these pickup artists. They're training people to get violent whenever, like they 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 they're creating their own besiege. They're like, this is like their own is like version of Islamic Sharia, the morality police, people who are not part of like the government, people who are not the police, individual vigilantes, these young boys who love these lo teenagers who are so angry about like, why is this, why is this Hindu, beautiful Hindu woman who I used to think about and jack off at night, why is he falling off for Abdul? Why is he why is he falling for Abdul? Like they're so angry, right? And now they're being trained in camps to go harass these girls and beat up the Muslim boys. They love it. They're like they're so angry. They're pissed. They're like they're 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 you know they're sexually like very very like I don't know what frustrated. The, the sexual frustration has, and they want to be able to e express that in an angry way. And they go there, they have huge Hindu for camps where they show them how to detect the girls. Like, imagine being a girl in this environment, like, and you have all these like Hindu Hindu for watching your act. Like, in Islam, you know how we have the concept of Qayra, when your father and your brother and your husband is like always watching you to make sure you're like acting the right way, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In India, they're making it the business of every random boy to be able to come like with a stick or whatever and beat up like the guy that you're interested in and just ask you questions and investigate you even though they're not the goddamn police and when the police shows up they support the Hindutva guy like this is what happens they like they call them like they there is like you would think the girls will call the police right because like these men are like abusing me okay they are they, they're investigating me they have holding me hostage and they're asking me who I've been with you would think the girl would call the police. But you know who calls the police? It's the Hindutva who calls the police. They're like, this girl has been misbehaving. She's been, been, she's been talking to Abdul. Come arrest her. And the police arrest her. They, they arrest her. Not the, not the men who are abused, who have no business abusing and harassing the girl. They arrest the girl. They're like, oh, yeah, why have you been, why have you been Remember talking to Remember that woman who was taken to jail and separated from her husband because she converted to Islam to marry her husband before this law came into effect? And the gang made her come out. You did. You covered this on the show. The gang made her come out and show her, show them, like, her marriage papers. The and they're just a group of random civilians. They have like, no authority to, to be demanding this of her. And then she had a miscarriage in prison because of like the yeah. treatment she faced. Wait, so so these people, they were investigating this poor pregnant Hindu woman who married a Muslim man. And she, she was showing Hindu her. Before. She was a Muslim so, man. Sorry, sorry. Muslim man. But she was showing her marriage papers to, sh to say like, look, I married him before the, your goddamn law came into power. Right? Like. 
Like he was, she was like, I married, I'm probably, I married him willingly. I, she, he didn't force me. I love him. I have a baby with him, right? Look, my papers show that I married him before your law came in, and they they weren't having it. They were like, show us your papers. And they, like, who are you to want to see her papers? And they called the police on her, on the pregnant woman, and she got arrested, and she had a miscarriage in prison. And she didn't even break this stupid law because the, she she had married that poor man when this law wasn't even in in force. Like what? Like even based on your goddamn stupid, barbaric, ridiculous laws, she didn't do anything illegal because it, it, it predates your law. But she had to pay the price for it with her own baby. It it yeah, will never that? I will never get over the fact that these love jihad laws or any forced conversion laws because sometimes it's not entirely about this whole marriage aspect. Sometimes it's literally just trying to criminalize conversion in general, and it kind of varies on the state. But I will never get over the fact that they mandate that you go register your conversion with a magistrate, and then you have to like yeah. wait a period of ten I days. Like, and it has and has to be publicly available for for the whole this this is an intimidation Susanna this is an intimidation tactic so if you if you want to marry a Muslim man you take you have to go through a conversion or whatever they whatever the requirements are right but they make you make register it and that information and your name will become open to the public that's so that these mob could go and so if the police cannot go intimidate you this is you this is them trying for you not to go through all of this because you know that all of a sudden your name and address and everything is now available to all these people that want to come and investigate you this is just to scare you out of it this is a tactic this registration and making your name public is just a tactic to scare you out of it it's so crazy like even if it wasn't public, what role does the government have in your private matter of faith? On what grounds? On what authority? Why is this allowed? Like, why? I can never get over that aspect. It, like, this, it, it's such a uh, severe, like, abuse of authority or use of a, a authoritative power. It drives, it, like, it, 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 makes me crazy in the way that these people are proposing these bills it's like no care for that at all their argument is that these girls are immature and they don't know what they're doing that's what they, that's what their argument is yes but this is like oh, i mean i understand too like you know these vulnerable people that they're trying to you know protect or protect that, them. that they they pretend to be protecting Right. It's this is like this covers all citizens. This covers all matters. You know, it's not just about this supposedly victimized group. By the way, they make none of these arguments with the other way around. If like a Muslim girl if all of a sudden falls in love with a Hindu man, none of that immaturity and protection is valid because this is a Muslim girl who should be Hindu and she's coming back home. They literally mm -hmm. just calling it coming back home because if she's if, if you know she's from the subcontinent, she doesn't understand that Islam is not her real religion. That she should ethnic based on her heritage, based on her ethnicity, and based on her this being her land. You know, not just not just Muslims in India, but also Muslims in Pakistan. 
they're all should they all should be Hindu. And when a Muslim gr a girl all of a sudden marries a Hindu man, they celebrate this. None of that protection is all of a sudden required because she's just coming back to where she belongs. And they literally, the, in this is literally treating women like property. When when Muslim men marry a Hindu woman, they see that as stealing, right? And when a, when a um, Hindu when a Muslim woman marries a Hindu man, they're calling that bringing somebody back home, right? Guys, you you have no idea how many weddings these people crash and just attack weddings because apparently they know better than the bride and groom. But go on. Oh my gosh. I mean, there's just so many things about this. In some states, the law specifically makes exceptions for when it's at going, when you're converting to Hinduism. Like, it's just so blatant. In this case, so part of the, um, you know, debate in the state assembly about this bill was the fact that, you know, the opposition is contending that this is obviously um, a politically motivated agenda um, with the intention of you know, stigmatizing, harassing, and abusing minority communities, um, particularly Muslims. Um, but th in this case of this law in Haryana, they're saying, well, religion isn't mentioned in the language of this bill once, like one particular religion or another. This is across the board. This, you know, shouldn't be allowed to continue. Um, and it's so, what, what's so problematic about the, these laws is that the people who are accused of these things, I don't know what the standard of law is in India, because in some countries it's different, but um, in America it is innocent until proven guilty. But and, and the burden of proof is on the prosecution, right? But in these cases of love jihad, the, it really becomes you're guilty until proven innocent. And the it the burden of proof is on you to prove that you weren't doing this. It's, and it also is just like blatantly so unconstitutional, but unfortunately it is a lot easier to put these laws into effect versus take years in to challenge you know, India's notoriously overburdened legal system to overturn mm. this. Yeah. I have a solution. Oh boy. I, my solution, here's my suggestion to Hindutva, okay? I'm putting it out there for free. Instead of all this nonsense, this is what you do. You fight love jihad with dharma jihad, okay? No, love dharma? No, dharma jihad is better. Dharma jihad. Let's call it dharma jihad, okay? <laughs> all right? And you just put up, instead of camps, that you're training all these Hindutva young teenage boys on going in and abusing girls and just like beating people up or investigating and minding, you know, getting involved in other people's business, right? You train them on how to talk to women, okay? And how to be better uh, at dating, at, you know, how to be not so cringy, okay? You know, you tell them to stop asking for, for bobs and the jeans, right? And even if you, even if they want to start asking for bobs and vagines, you maybe ask them how to politely ask for bobs and vagines. Maybe like mm -hmm. if you want bobs and vagines, that's not the first message you send a girl, right? Uh -huh. Maybe you wait uh -huh. a day, maybe you wait like a couple of days until you build the report, and then you know after a while you ask for bobs and vagines, right? So maybe classes like that, <laughs> like just training like that. You know what I mean? So I think that would be like. The, just call it Dharma Jihad, right? I don't know if they would call it Jihad because they, they're, they're very sensitive about the word Jihad, okay? 
just maybe call it love dharma. Yeah, love dharma. Okay, that would be better. But you know, just, just helping complete. helping the incels of India get some social yeah. skills with women, and you're saying that that will completely reverse their chances with dating and realize that you know, yes, they yeah, yeah, yeah. they have something to offer too. And maybe, maybe just to show some good faith with interfaith, right? Oh, you could hello. Be, you could invite some of these Muslims who you claim to be so good at picking up your girl, and maybe they could put on some seminars and show you share some of your secrets, right? Maybe oh, you could like, and promote interfaith unity. <laughs> interfaith unity, like tell them like how are you picking up these Hindu girls left and right? Like show us your secrets, right? Like maybe if you're nice to them, maybe they will share your secrets with you, and then like you will have some luck with your with your woman. Yeah, I like this idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you like it. <laughs> I think that. Oh would my work. god! Yeah. Wait, there was uh, some pretty hilarious comments in the chat. Oh, Forever Stormy is making a really good point when you were talking about how you're blown away by how almost like a third of countries have these sorts of laws are either proposed or on the books and you're saying oh my gosh it's one third but stormy's making the important point that population wise it's way more than one third so it's Ooh. you know it's not just one third it's by one third by number but not one third by the like population the population what, that's actually being impacted what? by this yeah yeah states not one like third the by up... are yeah, the right. most populated with populations as large as many many countries combined that's a very good point that's a very good point thank you for making that point interesting. uh moss wood is saying susie watch out for the jihadi pickup artists and after moss said this imran came in and said baby did you fall from heaven because you remind me of iblis <laughs> <laughs> see this is this is how they're picking <laughs> <laughs> Imran, you need to teach some classes. <laughs> so Susanna, does that work? We're talking you? because this made me laugh so hard. See, it's working. If you could make a woman laugh, that's already like, yeah. This, like, actually, I actually, actually feel like this would have worked on me. This made me laugh so hard. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh my god. And Forever Stormy is making another very good point, saying, mind you, they want to control women's choice in selecting any guy, not just a Muslim guy. These guys are believers of arranged marriage where the family decides. Yes, and that's one thing about this that I really appreciate when I see activists talk about, because in terms of the impact of this law, this is obviously going to affect um, you know, both men and women. Uh, but in terms of who this is meant to target and who this will be weaponized against, it will primarily be women who wish to marry outside of, you know, their their family's wishes or against their family's wishes. And so their freedom of choice is being greatly restricted because now there are legal and criminal consequences um, regarding these kinds of things. All for, like, love. Like, imagine... You just love someone and the stakes against you are this. And this law will be used to harass couples with the force of the law behind them because they don't do as their family says. Because anyone can kind of like file these cases against people alleging forced conversion. And now the authorities are obligated 
to launch a special investigation into your private affairs, your private life. It's, it's wild. Um, I need to talk to my lawyer friend about if any cases have already come forward that are presented as suits or like lined up to um, repeal this kind of thing. Um, because it is badly needed to go up the court system as fast as possible. Yeah, I should always have the are we the baddies meme ready. Whenever these people like, whenever we want to remind them that you guys like stopping people from loving each other. Like, do you not wake up in the morning and like, what am I doing? I'm actively going out in the streets and looking for people who claim to be in love with each other I want to be with each other and I'm trying to separate them. Like, do you not at that point think like, maybe I'm the, maybe I'm on the wrong side of this, <laughs> right? Do you not think to yourself, like I'm literally fighting love. I'm literally fighting love. How do you not maybe doubt just a tiny bit when you're anti-love that you might be on the evil side of this, that you might be on the wrong side of all of this? We have another Muslim pickup line. <laughs> Mustafa is saying, I told a girl whose name is Jannah, your name means heaven. Very appropriate because I want to be in you. I don't, but really that worked? I didn't like that. It did, I'm not saying it. He, he said he said this and okay, he didn't okay. say if it worked. I thought it was cringe, but okay. <laughs> All right, sure. It's making Sarah laugh. I didn't think this would work, but if they, if you make somebody laugh, that's 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 already it's okay. so funny. Is it okay? Sure. <laughs> okay. Um. All right. Oh wait, I have mail. I'll be right back. You keep reading the comments while I go. Okay. Yeah, a lot of people in the live chat are saying that they want this to be a show. Mustafa is calling for a Bollywood movie. I think, you know, like I said, right now is not the correct political climate <laughs> at all. But there's there's but there's a potential for something pretty humorous there. <laughs> Mustafa is saying that he was already in bed with her when he used that line, <laughs> so it sounds like it worked. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, people in the live chat. Oh my god. Harish is saying that women will be protected from blackmail with these kinds of laws. How? How? If it's really about blackmail, write a law that actually is related to that, not like infringing upon people's civil liberties in this way. Rajesh is saying when Amalvi was asked on Love Jihad, uh, for those who don't know, Amalvi is, or I can never pronounce it right is like an Islamic scholar or leader, was asked about love jihad. He said, love is against Islam. 
all marriages should be arranged and interfaith should be banned. Muslims actually agreed to not be having interfaith. I don't, he probably didn't literally say love is against Islam, right? Like that doesn't sound like, <laughs> I think you mean like free love or, or like love marriages. I, I actually heard people being like love is like a romantic concept that was like, even Daniel Hayraju said that. Like, these are just romantic Western concepts. Um, you marry, like, you don't need to love, wait, marry the person you love. Like, these are things your family just arranges and stuff. This idea that you need to be in love with somebody and this whole romantic stuff that you have is like just like something that was invented in the romantic era in Europe, like, I don't know, by Shakespeare and stuff like that. And it was not, it was not a thing throughout history. It's just like, they think that it's just recent history and it's not, it's not the most ideal way of going about matching people to each other. Like they think like, it's not just about you two, you selfish pieces of crap. Like you think about, yeah. Oh, like I love her. I love him or I love her. Like, this is about your family. This is about like a whole community deciding mm. on how to come together. And it's like, it's, you know, like who cares about your own personal feelings? You selfish, you know, <laughs> individual. Right. <laughs> so, so like, yeah. Wild. So. Oh, Bengal. Oh, this is like the final point. I thought this was good. Bengali Hindu was saying they train women with arm training to save themselves from Muslim guys, as if Hindu, as if Hindu men will never attack a Hindu woman. Yeah, it is. It is pretty hypocritical in a lot of ways. And I've watched Wait, a what? lot of those videos. They're saying that you know you've, you've we've seen these footages or like news reports on. Um, these anti-love jihad like campaigns that they go on and where they go teach women about how to like protect themselves from Muslim men. I support you know, that. And, no, but no, but no, the, the, this person is saying as if it's like Hindu men never attack Hindu women. Yeah, but that will that will protect them from both. It's not like real self-defense. It's like if he talks to you a certain way, like if oh, you know, if he like. Says yeah, by like oh. stereotyping and profiling. Oh, so it's not like physical self defense. It's like this is how you know he's a Muslim. Kind of. The it didn't. It was. It was. You know, a bit lacking on the self defense, in my opinion. Okay. Okay. This is how you detect Islam. So this is how you detect Islam in the boy that you're talking to, because they they claim like they wouldn't tell you right away, and eventually for oh, so yeah, so the claim the claims I've seen is that. You know, because, it, you know, they're all part of the same ethnicity. It's not like you could tell, you know, they're all, a lot of the boys are wearing the same thing, whether they're Hindu or Muslim, right? So the idea is that they first brainwash you and make you fall in love with them. And then they will reveal that they're, they're Muslim, okay? So after you already fall in love with them and it's too late, right? So they're trying to equip the girls by saying, like, you have to figure out where this guy is a jihadi ahead of time, right? I love jihadi ahead of time before you fall for him. And he are the telltale signs, right? Yes, like, like, <laughs> Abraham McRae. <laughs> exactly. 
<laughs> yes. Guys, you're, a lot of these Hindus, well, they're very sensitive, not but just with Islam, but all things Abrahamic, right? Whether Judaism, Christianity, or Islam, they think like this, they... You know they have they they like they look at their history and they're like we haven't had a good experience with Abrahamic people showing up at our at our land like it was first the Islamic takeover and they came and raped and pillaged right and then after they were done with Mother India after they raped Mother India and they they went you know then the British came and they started you know doing their thing so they're like. We're shutting the doors to all things Abrahamic. <laughs> like we're like cleansing this land from Abrahamic, all things Abrahamic. Because based on our history, Abrahamics seem to wanting to just, you know, take, 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 take and destroy Mother India. So that's what they... Rudrush is saying not Judaism. Actually, that's yeah. true. India is true. known for being one of the most tolerant places for Jewish people, which I think is very well. It's not. It's it's because they love Israel. Like, you're right. Actually, I shouldn't have said Jews. And you know why they love Israel? Well, it's not. It's not always that. Like historically, this has it, been true. Okay, but more recently, the um, there's this been love. There's this like love relationship with Israel between India, okay? Because because Israel is going the ethno-threat route, right? And also, they see also Israel as a country that is standing up to, I don't know, Islamic takeover of their land, right? So they're like, yes, we agree. <laughs> and also, we like, see each I other. <laughs> we want some of that. And they also see how Judaism is becoming more of a is is moving in israel uh, judaism is going beyond just culture religion and um ethnicity is is becoming defined as nationality as well like so it's mostly like them noticing the right-leaning people in israel who are interested in an ethno state and want to Jude define judaism as part of the identity of the country and they're like, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what we want to do with Hinduism, right? So they 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 relate. They're like, we relate, you know, a lot. So that's what. Yeah. Yeah, and Mustafa's making the point that it also is partially because Jews don't really evangelize. Yeah, yeah, it might be that as well. Uh, you you guys, did, <laughs> Wait, no, you guys this is did the last thing. Mustafa gave us another Muslim pickup line saying, "Are you from medieval Arabia? Because you're making you make you making me crazy." <laughs> Savannah loves these. I do. Guys, please send me all your Islamic pickup lines. <laughs> I will be taking. I will be accepting submissions at my uh, Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, should we clap for the next news? Okay, we're gonna clap for the next news because I did a lot of interesting research on this. I'm excited to talk about it. Most definitely, I'm here all week. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. Let's so go to the next. Next news. Next news. Supreme Court rules in favor of FBI in case of spying on Muslims. 
From 2006 to 2007, in the wake of the September 11 attacks, the FBI's Los Angeles division hired an informant who claimed to want to convert to Islam with a hidden intention of infiltrating several mosques in Orange County, California. In 2019, the Ninth Circuit of uh, Circuit Court of Appeals ruled in favor of three Muslim plaintiffs who accused the FBI of targeting non-person surveillance on the basis of their religion. Uh, Yasser Fazaga, Ali Udin Malik, and Yasser Abdel Rahim claimed that the FBI's spine had violated their constitutional rights as protected under the First and Fourth Amendments. Recently, on March 4th, the Supreme Court overturned a ruling from an appellate court in favor of siding with the FBI. The Supreme Court unanimously ruled that the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, or FISA for short, had lesser precedent over the state's state secrets privilege. State secrets privilege allows the federal government to block the release of any information in a lawsuit if it if 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 its release can lead to a breach of national security. The American Civil Liberties Union, or ACLU, who represented the plaintiffs, denounced the Supreme Court's ruling, calling it, quote, a dangerous sign for religious freedom and government accountability. The ACLU plans to submit an appeal for further litigation. Wait, so the, the Supreme Court is not ruling in favor of spying on Muslims. The Supreme Court rules is ruling in favor of not releasing these state secrets, right? <laughs> right. So they are using. <laughs> we should just clip that part out. <laughs> okay. Went through a Somebody clip that out. Okay, okay go on. Um, the, the FBI is using in their defense. So basically I can get into the backstory, but a bunch of people realized that this informant was spying on them and they are trying to sue the FBI. <laughs> Stop laughing at me. He's trying to sue the FBI for their illegal surveillance in violation of their constitutional rights. And what they're pulling is they're saying, oh, you can't go through with this lawsuit because it will violate, like, you know, it, it will have to release information that's too, you know, classified. This could threaten security. So we're, we're pulling state secrets and saying, just trust us. This was legitimate, you know. So they're they're blocking any sort of accountability for what they did with these informants, which was crazy, by the way. Like, we need to play the video that I added that I sent you because okay, but gets, even yeah. even if you're against this, it's important to know that you, the Supreme Court, you know, actually, by the way, which I I'm, I'm against as well, depending on whether the details are correct or not. But the the Supreme Court is not setting a precedent where where this is okay to just spy on Muslims. Okay, this is like tech. They take like it's important to realize that technically they're okaying so they're okaying not releasing the secret. Because if they were like, oh, yeah, the Supreme Court, like, oh, yeah, we approve on you being able to spy on people based on their religion, that would be a lot like a bigger news than like that would be setting a precedent that makes this like, OK, which technically that's not the route that they're going. So that's, that's I just wanted to point that out. Yes, but like, I don't know. I think you're downplaying the fact that 
they're allowing for there to be zero government accountability. Like they're allowing the cover up to continue. Well, I'm, okay, that's important. Okay, but I think it would be just a much of a big, much bigger deal if the Supreme Court just a okayed targeting people based on their religion. That would be even a bigger deal. <laughs> okay, okay, I see what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So I'm not saying I'm okay. I'm, I'm. Uh, yeah, I am in favor of government accountability. I don't know, like I don't know. I don't, maybe our opinions would change if we know exactly what's happening in the background, right? Like maybe, you know, maybe if we knew exactly what secrets would be released because of this, we would be like, holy crap, like that would like devastate a whole bunch of stuff. That we don't know. Like there's a whole bunch of things that we don't know. Based on the limited information that we have, I'm against this and I'm in favor of government accountability, right? So, but again, our opinions are not 100% here. Um, I know that there might be things that I don't know that if I knew my opinions would change on this. Okay. Also, I want to, uh, the cover is, I, it's really good. <laughs> it's, um, we have to give a raise, a bonus, not a raise, a bonus to whoever came up with this cover. It's pretty cool. Even, even though this is not what most American Muslims look like. Okay. Um, this is, you know, I'm, I, you know, I'm, Muslims in America don't go around looking like this. Most of it's them. hard to find, you know, diverse and accurate copyright free images. I know, Muslims. I know, <laughs> I know, I know that. Even though that is the case, this image captures most of what this headline is like. This is pretty good. Like, <laughs> you know, the yeah, guy in the, the America, background. Like, I got the, the guy. That, I got. I got him. I got it. He's reading the Quran. He's reading the Quran. <laughs> I got him. It really is like that, though. Like, <laughs> oh no! Like, <laughs> wait. So this news researching for this caused me to go down a wormhole today researching these programs and these incidents of the government entrapping like Muslims with terrorism charges through these um, in, in, um, informant programs. It's so crazy. Like it's one of those things where as an American, you kind of like have this vague knowledge that that's probably going on or like you heard that it did happen maybe once before, but then I actually went in, I had the time to go look into the whole situation in general or in more depth. And I was shocked. I was shocked. The way that the FBI conducts a lot of these, th this whole case in particular with these people, like I want to dig into it because everything about it, I feel like it is best described by the old World War II acronym FUBAR, which means effed up beyond all recognition. Like it's such a shit show from top to bottom this particular case um can we play that video that i i showed or yes. i gave you this one yes okay so this is a video i found today from 2009 because this this whole issue has been going on for like a long time this is just the most recent aspect of this case so this is um more information from back in 2009 okay Every this man went FBI to mosques claiming to be a convert to Islam. And my cover was that I'm a French and Syrian uh, individual who is seeking to embrace my Islamic roots. 
But in truth, Craig Monte says he was working as an undercover spy for the FBI. What they told me was that I would be trained as a Muslim to... I want this job. No, you don't. <laughs> okay, okay. Infiltrate mosques. He's an ex-convict who claims over the course of many months, he secretly recorded conversations with hundreds of Muslims, including in more than 10 different mosques in the Los Angeles area. And then he all of a sudden jumped into like, I can get us weapons to go do something in, in some building in LA or something like that. Curdy and others worked out at this Irvine, California gym where Monte admitted recording conversations with Muslims as they exercised. These Arab Americans say his actions while working for the FBI amounted to entrapment and violated their constitutional rights. He was telling people, it's like, I have a, a sheikh in Af Afghanistan that I know. I was hearing that and I was hearing him saying stuff like, you know, I, I have access to different things that, you know, I can help you all plan something, you need to plan something. Those were the types of things that I was hearing. Troubled by Monte's words, this man, Ahmadullah Niazi, reported him to the FBI. Soon after that, the FBI arrested Niazi for a charge that boiled down to lying on his U.S. passport application. What? Monte's role is. How? Wait, what? Explain. Go back and play that again. So this, let me break it down for you guys. This guy, the informant, who was trying to, you know, bring up little hints so that people would start talking about jihad and wanting to wage jihad on infidels with him. So he like drops little hints, right? He gets so bad and starts freaking out congregants so much that they try to put restraining orders against him and they go to the FBI to report on him. The, these Muslims go to the FBI because they're like, there's this guy that's freaking us out in our community with the violent way that he's talking. I think he might hurt someone. That person is the FBI informant. When this guy went to the FBI to report this guy because of his, his terroristic talking points, and they're like, we, some, the authorities need to be, know about this guy. This is dangerous. They go and start investigating this guy's history, and they start bringing up, they start bringing up things against him about his immigration history. But he's a good guy. Or, he's like reporting yes. jihadis. So they're going after the person who's doing the good thing and reporting, like, shouldn't you hire him? Like, hey, you, you seem to be a Muslim. And so you, you don't need to need, you don't even need to hire like a fake Muslim. This guy is a, re a real Muslim <laughs> who's anti-jihadi inside the God, inside the same mosque that you're. <laughs> so you should, instead of fighting him, you should be sending him a job application. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you shouldn't be because you have no business spying on people like that. But even in your own evil twisted ways he's on your side like wouldn't you want to encourage his behavior but anyways no they're just all they care about is protecting their informant and their asset and this guy who's the informant is a piece of work he was previously convicted and served in time in prison for fraud and like Wait, this is the what? guy the FBI approaches to become an informant. And his whole yeah, cover the person, was that the, the he was a person you're against builder. is better than your informant. Wait, what good? One of the people that he was sent to profile was an imam in the Southern California Muslim community, which is apparently one of the largest in the United States. Um, 
this this imam was like encouraged his community to go talk to the FBI, like to trust the authorities, to really rely on them to protect our communities. Like he promoted that and he wanted to build that trust so people could have somewhere to go if they were had worries, right? And then there was a piece that came out, there was started to be reporting on these surveillance programs. And in a conversation that an FBI, some someone associated with the FBI came to give to this um, meeting of Islamic community members, um, this imam gets up and just like asks him a question. He's like, you're saying that we should just be friends, that there's nothing to worry about, nothing of this had ever happened, blah, blah, blah. But there's this reporting that this other person was saying this, and I can't get over this contention and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, because, and then, and then the FBI goes, he, he goes, are you calling me a liar? He's like, I'm not calling okay. you a liar. I just don't know what to make of these different things I'm hearing. And I'm hearing something totally different from you. And then mm. that guy became one of the people who's targeted by this informant. And now he's one of the just because in this case. Oh my God. Just because he was like questioning the FBI agent. The informant. That's what he says. Although oh. I don't know how much to trust this guy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But yeah, but this is footage this makes, of that whole interaction is, with the imam. And this the backfires FBI. because this makes the community that you want you want the, you want the Muslim Americans to think like the authorities are there to protect them, and you want to create a bond between all sorts of American communities and the agents, so that they come and they they feel like they could trust you and come to you. By, by creating this atmosphere that is you, you the, the agents, you know, against the community, then they, you're going to isolate them. They're going to feel like, why would we come to you? You're against all of us. You're not just against the jihadis. You're against us as a whole. So you're just decreasing the number of self-reports that you would be getting because they feel like you're not you're not an agency there to protect them. It's obviously like not in... Yeah. But again, I think like a lot of the whole point is a lot of these agencies, they're mostly focused on making themselves relevant, you know, and justifying higher budgets. Yes, that's where I was going. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if there's no problem, if there's less of a problem, then you're less needed, you're less relevant, right? And if you rely on the community, if the community is not threatened by you, and comes to you, then your agents are also less needed because the community is just self-reporting. <laughs> so maybe mm -hmm. like it's it would be within it would be within the best interest of your department to create some form of hostility to make yourself more relevant. You know, it's so wild. So I watched a documentary today by Al Jazeera about these informant programs. And granted, you know, this is Al Jazeera, and they have their own agenda and bias. Um, so there might be other sides to this, these stories that they were presenting than, you know, um, what I saw, but I was, so it covers a lot of these, these incidents in different communities. And in one of them, there were guys who were prosecuted and spent time in prison for, you know, connections to quote unquote Al Qaeda. Their only connection to Al Qaeda was the contact that they had with the FBI informant who claimed to be Al Qaeda. There was no real connection with them at all. It's your own informant who claims to be the one with the connection and they have a connection to this informant. They, um, 
there, there were so many aspects to it. It was so crazy. And they, in the documentary covers a lot of this case as well, where the guy who was this informant was such a piece of work. He was like, the FBI claims that I was the best informant alive. And then shows him putting on a skull cap and a red and white kefia and like these wraparound black shades. And I was like, who, what am I watching? Like, you look so out of place. The way, like, it was the craziest thing I've ever seen. Like, it was like, like how a kid would dress up as a Muslim. Like, it didn't make any sense. So you look <laughs> bizarre. <laughs> okay, should we watch the rest of the clip? Um, yeah, there was some other stuff in this clip that I was in Monte's words. This man, Ahmadullah Niazi, reported him to the FBI. Soon after that, the FBI arrested Niazi for a charge that boiled down to lying on his U.S. passport application. At Niazi's bail hearing, Monte's role as an FBI confidential informant was revealed. Monte claims he no longer works for them. The FBI keeps claiming that they treat American Muslims as partners. We cannot be partners and suspects at the same time. You cannot call us partners. Is that an Atheist Republic logo on his shirt? Okay, I that. didn't notice that, but it does look exactly, it does look exactly <laughs> like it. Guys, this is an inf this is our <laughs> informant. <laughs> in, in this. <laughs> Maybe hide your pin. Like, look at this. This is a guys. This is so much like an Atheist Republic logo. It does. <laughs> Holy crap! How could it be anything else? Look, you see the circle and the two, <laughs> the lion and the horse, and the text right under it. <laughs> I swear, this cannot be anything other than the Atheist Republic logo. Am I seeing things? Tell me, I'm wrong. Well, you're not wrong, but also this was 2009, so it's impossible. <laughs> Why is that impossible? We were around in 2009. Did you have the logo in 2009? The logo wasn't yes. Yes, trademarked yes, that early. Well, it wasn't trademarked, but we had the logo. We trademarked okay. it later. Guys, this guy, like, okay, he's an ex-secret ex-Muslim. <laughs> guys, like, you guys are not seeing this? Like, okay, so let me see the live chat. Yeah, secular race, like holy, yeah, holy shit, it's totally lost, guys. It can't be anything else. I'm swearing, like this is like our logo. God damn. <laughs> so this was, <laughs> and send informants or provocateurs into the mosque on a fishing expedition, trying to entrap people. We made several. Yeah, people are saying, if you, uh, where you guys had an original logo? Yeah, this is our logo. Yeah. Request for an interview with the FBI field office here in Los Angeles wanting to give them an opportunity to respond to these allegations. But they said they do not do interviews related to current investigations, and they don't comment about confidential informants. So they declined our request for an interview. As far as inter um, interrogation, as citizens... Groups like the American Civil Liberties Union, or ACLU, are taking matters into their own hands, holding workshops inside L.A. area mosques to teach Americans... This is a Shia mom here. Yeah. It's their constitutional rights. And he's a scientist. Um, well, well, because some yes. are concerned. Based on Wait, this is entirely a Shia place. You know how I know? This is... All right. Okay, I thought this is like a, like a Islamic area where they accept everybody, even Shias. But then I realized, no, this is like entirely a Shia place because of, look at the background decoration. Allah, Muhammad, Ali... Fatima, Hassan, 
and Hussein. So this is a Shia gathering. Because some are concerned. So maybe the reason why they're infiltrating in this is because they're, they're expecting some Iran, like Iranian, you know, the Islamic Republic of Iran influence. Because a lot of these Shia... Yeah, because a lot of these Shia places are actually um, ways for Ira the Iranian government to use them as a way to get into the American community, right? So maybe that's why they're investigating this. So I don't know. Based on the FBI's silence to Monte's claims, they are being monitored in their places of worship. I mean, what? I mean, just to be a little bit more charitable to the FBI, what are they supposed what? to do? Like, if we want to be somewhat charitable, okay, like let's just steal them, okay? If the Iranian government is using these Shia, like Shia centers, for example, as a way to infiltrate within the American community, okay, what is the if? What would you do if you were the FBI? Like, how would you, if you want to okay, figure this here's out? Here's the thing. I am not against surveillance if there is like probable cause yeah. or proof or probable like reasons or to suspect someone is conducting or planning to conduct a crime. Like a lot of these surveillance programs, they would go target specific Muslim student groups who like and literally follow them on their way to go like whitewater rafting. Like right. also just talk about the waste of government government resources. It's crazy. Like so, in a lot of these cases, I because I, I was also looking into how this goes down on the East Coast, and there's this huge issues in New York City and New Jersey, and um, and the surveillance or profiling just seems so blatant because everyone affected by these things are saying, "What is the reason? What is the probable cause that would make you surveil me?" and the government instead says, state secrets, we can't talk about that. But trust us, there is reasons, there are reasons, but, and, you know, that we should or are legally allowed to, you know, surveil people in this way. But we just can't tell you what those reasons are. So we're just so, going to, like, violate your constitutional rights in the meanwhile. This is why it, we wish, like, it, there was a way that somebody that could be held accountable because technically the surveillance I think the surveillance should be allowed okay because these places are used by even if most of the people there are good they are at, used as a way for you know go by governments that have ill intentions right the problem that we have is like the framing of the of the good people, <laughs> like like this the, the ta like certain tactics that they're using. I think it's bad. Like I don't know, like going after that one guy that was like seemed to be like a good guy just because like finding a technical, you know, just or like harassing the people who are questioning you, right? Or entrapment is that's that's a. a is that that's what it's called, right? Entrapment. When you're like, "Hey, do you guys want to do jihad? How about some? How about we do some jihad, right? Like, is that and they like you're an FBI agent and you're just, you know, you're advertising, you know, you're 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 promoting crimes, and then if they say yes to you, well, technically you were the person who was promoting it, right? Isn't that called? What is is that? I don't know how the laws. Yeah, uh, it's entrapment. 
Entrapment, yeah. So that's called entrapment. Actually, there's a, I think we should have a meme from that, right? We should have like this meme, right? <laughs> and we should, we that should really just put is the feds. I yeah, too a... want to wage jihad on the infidels. <laughs> yeah, like, no, it should be like anywhere to do Fellow some jihad. Mujahideen. <laughs> yeah, like that. Okay, so that's the meme for it. But yeah, that those practices should entrapment should be you know should be fought against. These retaliatory um, techniques should be um, fought against. But I don't know if we want to completely go out and dismiss the surveillance as a whole. Like I think maybe they're using some question, you know, some bad tactics, but that doesn't mean that they shouldn't have surveillance at all. Well, no, um, I don't think that mosques should be surveilled unless they have probable reason to suspect that there is some serious activity going on. So I'm not dismissing anything. Yeah, yeah, but maybe they do have and they don't know which mosques. Maybe they don't they know that the Islamic Republic of Iran is using Shia centers for their own agenda and now they're in the process of figuring out which ones. So what do they do? For they example? look for better what evidence before bugging people to send them in. That violate well, people's they, rights to privacy, that's, like that's, private citizens. That's crazy. You, that's how that's how they okay, so you say they look they look for better evidence. But that's the point. They're trying to find the evidence. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, FBI, when they find evidence, they have to surveil people. They have to do some surveillance on people to find that evidence. Where else, like, do you think like how could they ignore people without looking when they're looking for evidence? They, the trust evidence, me, the FBI can do a lot of steps before they physically send someone into a building. Okay, but all of that involve, like, information is held by people. So if they want to get the evidence, which includes that information, they would have to do surveillance on some people. I mean, that's the entire point of the FBI. So I'm just trying to think about I don't it. Really, I don't really understand what you're advocating for. Like, I'm just saying that just maybe we like, surveil should be... every mosque until we find something. Well, I mean, if the we're just looking for is, the evidence. I mean, if you have reasonable, if you have some, if you have reason to believe that certain mosques are being used by other governments to do some shady stuff, then what would you suggest? How would they go about finding where this is happening? I just think like their tactics was wrong, but I don't you want to look like this look, look at the trail of money first. Okay, but how did they like? So, like the the tactics that they use is if you look at the trail of money, these are individuals privately using their money for like at first. But the way it works is that you're spending your money on things that are completely legitimate, right? Things that are just expression of religious values right you do fundraising for your ashura for your prayers and then you just build up the organizations and you know tracing the, actually tracing the money would also be surveillance on individual private individuals because you know it, that would be wait you that would be surveillance of individuals private money because if you do surveillance of that you're advocating for exactly what you're you seem to be against because if you do trace the money you see that okay 
This is just individual people's liberty to do express this religious freedom. That's how it starts, right? You build the base by spending all this money on things that are nothing other than religious practices. So if you want to trace that, you're basically surveilling on people's private individual expression of their, you know, transactions and stuff like that. Transac yeah, transactions so I mean, I also think that transactions like are an expression. Yeah. Transactions are an expression of you know your sure. free your free expression. Yeah, go on. I mean, I I all I understand that's a form of surveillance, obviously. I just feel like that's a lot different than physically sending someone in to just listen to the conversations of random individuals and then just like entrap them because you won't shut the fuck up about jihad. <laughs> like it's so and the whole case of this guy in particular is such a mess. I'm like he, everyone found him out. His cover got blown. Um, he, he, not a single case that he was involved in resulted in a conviction. In fact, the FBI like kicked him out, basically turned on him. Then he turned on the FBI. He's trying to sue the FBI. And then he joined the defense of the one guy who's his inform, his surveillance was the one guy that they were trying to prosecute. And then he jumped on that guy's defense. And so this didn't result in a single conviction. Like nothing about this is worth taxpayer money. Yeah. So but that's what I'm agreeing with. I'm saying these specific instances we can condemn and be like, this is wrong. But I just think we shouldn't throw out the baby out with the bathwater and just be like, we're completely against surveillance. I mean, at the end of the day, that's how so a lot of these attacks. I mean, if you look at every single terrorist attack that was stopped, before it happened, it was because of surveillance like this. Yes. Right. So we, get, we don't want to throw out the entire sur like surveillance. Like, please keep surveilling. Is that the verb for it? And keeping us in keeping like I think we need that to keep us safe. No, but the, with these informant, I can't remember the numbers, but with these informant programs, the number of people that it actually catches in the results and convictions is a st like a small minority. Yeah, but it's Most worth it because those small instances where they stop it, it was like it was going to be an attack. You I don't know. know. I, mean? I, I I'm really downplaying the fact of like how. Overarch overreaching these programs are. Yeah, so we could, like, again, we want to specifically, like, if we want to condemn each one of them, I think we we should condemn them on an individual basis and be like, this was the wrong practice. It's, you know, like, I don't want to cut, like, sorry, I just, well, bless you. I don't want to cut, thank you. I don't want to condemn the entire thing. I know, like, I am for some surveillance, you know, anyways. I think we agree. Um, yeah, so Rudrish is saying surveillance is fine, but it has to be constitutional. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree. Okay, so I mean, if the surveillance is like, you're like, we're just surveilling these people just because they're Muslim, like, just because we're, if it's just because they're Muslim and nothing else, then that would be unconstitutional. But if it like, we that's have... Like, that's basically we, what happened here. Okay, but in many it, other we, don't, cases. we don't know. We don't know what because the, the data didn't come out. So we don't know. But if the reason is that we have reason to believe that in certain the, the mosques that have this faith, um, 
we have disinformation to believe that somebody is trying to do something and okay and that's why we have to do surveillance on these these mosques then that you're not targeting them specifically because of the of them being muslim you're targeting them because of the information you have and you know if that is the reason that would not be unconstitutional in my opinion i could be wrong because i'm not a constitutional lawyer anyways can we so then but i like how aggressive you are when um when wanting to limit the government's reach okay so like i can see like the fire in your eyes right now i'm like, so pissed like, at you <laughs> <laughs> like why are you being such a simp for the feds like you <laughs> like oh well because because they 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 keep us alive sometimes okay so that's why i simp for the feds because you sometimes I, we... keep us alive but god damn <laughs> 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 all right so can i clap for the next everything time? i learned today i was like i am not impressed guys this is, <laughs> this is this is bad like you did a bad yeah. job you did a... yeah, yeah. <laughs> we need to, we're, were, we're, we're only two examples... hours in and we've only on half the news okay you gave us examples that made it yeah i was it was bad okay let's go through the rest of the news like really like this okay okay next news so uh next, next news, news. Gay author book signing event at school banned by Catholic Church. Recently, the Catholic Church in the United Kingdom has banned a book signing event at a London school because of the sexuality of the acclaimed author, Simon James Green. The cancellation was announced in a letter dated March 3rd by Simon Hughes, the director of education and diocesan schools commissioner. In an interview in, with The Guardian, Green stated, quote, stated that, quote, I didn't think a school today would go down that route. Green was supposed to visit John Fisher Boys School in Purley, South London, as well as St. John's Primary School in Gravesend, but both events were canceled. However, the school administrators and governors attempted to proceed with the event despite the announcement. In response, Father James Clark, the school's chaplain, threatened the school administration, saying their actions will have serious consequences in the weeks ahead. The diocese's decision to cancel the event shocked the community. A parent told The Guardian that the cancellation sends a terrible message to the children, adding, quote, who would want to come and teach here or send their children here after this? Wait, where, where is this? What country? Oh, the UK. God damn it. How is this happening in the UK? I thought the like, UK was overly sensitive about this stuff. For, for to allow anybody to go anti uh, LGBT. So in the UK, like the um, United Methodist Church over there and the Church of England have like really been liberalizing a lot in the quote unquote in the past few years and being a lot mm. more LGBT inclusive. Um, but the Catholic Church is not going down that easy. Yeah, so this is why I don't buy like. You know, sometimes I feel like you know what you guys need these the 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 destructive power of wokeism to come at you. You know, as much as like we're against wokeism ourselves, when I see the Catholic Church, um, and we're like, you know, I see like wokeism like a like a grenade, and like you know what, go at them, go at the just dest just destroy, 
destroy that the institution that is the Catholic Church, whatever, right? Like yeah, you're like because I feel like woke is everyone just, gets like, blown back by the woke, like just like doof, doof. yeah, like, like go know, at like, them. <laughs> I know they're very destructive, the the Wokistanis when they come at because they destroy everything at their path. But when they're going at the Catholic Church, I will cheer for them. Like, because the Catholic, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, just take it down. Just take that whole entire institution down. That's um, so funny. I think, yeah, oh, I so Rudresh is saying, so the book was fine, but the author, what he does in his bed in private bothers the church. Well, so he actually does include, like, LGBT, he writes, like, young adult books, and he does include LGBT like themes or characters but he says that like it's it's soft romance and like nothing explicit in any way shape or form like no intimacy it's just like oh i like this person <laughs> like um yeah this was so crazy so there were all um several national education societies that came out and spoke against this action by the catholic church or um, with these two schools, and uh, they are, I don't know, calling for an investigation into these schools, because I guess to some extent, these schools, or maybe the um, Catholic education is publicly funded in the United Kingdom. So they're saying, you know, this is a publicly funded school, like this needs to be investigated because of, we have national mandates about, you know, certain LGBT policies in schools. And these attitudes are in, in contradiction to those things. Um, so that'd be really interesting to see how that turns out. What are and, in these books that are so harmful to children? Uh, uh, gayness. Like his, I mean, what do you not understand? What he is does it, is, a, is a crime against nature. Like it's, 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 like, it's functionally is it like a disorder. <laughs> To the Catholic Church. Is it showing two men, for example, like inserting their genitals into someone else's butthole? Like, is that show? Is that what the children are being exposed to? No. No. Okay. So if it's not that, then what I assume the amount of same-sex relationship that children will be exposed to would be the same level of same this with at the same level of what they have already been exposed to when it comes to two different genders of people coming together, okay? So you're all just a bunch of hypocrites. All these, Every single time a conservative tells you, like, the children, save the children. They shouldn't, they're too young to be exposed to sexuality. Ask them, how is this more sexual than... Snow White being kissed by a goddamn prince. In fact, that is more questionable because she was sleeping and nobody asked her if she wants to be kissed, right? I'm not against the Sleeping Beauty narrative, okay? Is that Princess Fiona? I think that's Princess Fiona, okay? When Princess Fiona in Sleeping Beauty was kissed by a prince, even though she was sleeping, the prince kissed her Knowing that the entire nation was asleep, okay? I don't care if you're not giving consent, okay? We're saving the nation. 
even if the even if you do not consent there are bigger things at play here okay everybody's sleeping and they will stay asleep unless i kiss you okay so your consent is a second issue but when it comes <laughs> to <laughs> but when it comes to snow white okay that prince had no idea what's happening he just found a random woman sleeping in the middle of the forest and he just came and kissed her Okay, look, imagine what we're teaching to children. How is that okay? <laughs> but apparently it's okay because they'd be straight because that's a woman and that's a man and nobody questions like, okay, why are people kissing in front of children? <laughs> My children are being exposed to sexuality. There's two people kissing. That's not an issue, even though that's a horrible lesson that you're teaching to children, okay? But if they be the same sex, all of a sudden, all of a sudden the standards are higher, like no sexuality to children, okay? But you didn't have the same standard for different sexes, right? Oh my god! Okay, I just cannot confirm the fact that we're like talking about this gay author not being allowed to come, and then it turns into you discussing the utilitarian calculation of whether it's ethical to kiss Princess Fiona sleeping or not. <laughs> like yeah. guys, you know we we need to think about the cost benefit analysis here. No princess, <laughs> we have a nation to sleep. It's okay if he kisses her. <laughs> yeah, no princess Fiona is so saying was okay. Armin, like I can't. <laughs> That's okay. I was like, wait a second, what? <laughs> No, Princess Fiona's kissing, even though she was sleep, a okay, but randomly kissing a woman that is sleeping in the forest, that that's a crime. Somebody arrest that prince. Anyways, <laughs> wait, can you look at I mean, the live shot while I go to the bathroom quickly? Okay, okay. So I'm gonna also mention that the if the prince knew that she had a curse, okay, and that this curse would like wake her up from the curse, okay, then okay, fine. You know, the cost-benefit analysis makes it okay that you kiss her. But everything I've seen from the evidence that we have at hand, from what we have witnessed, from the footage that we have, is that he had no idea what's going on, right? He just showed up at the, uh, you know, this is like, okay, there's a, there's a girl sleeping here, okay? He didn't know anything. Like, nobody informed her about a curse. Nobody, he didn't know about the apple. He didn't know that she's under a spell, okay? You're like... I, I just got, I'm like, look, she, she's pretty. I'm going to kiss her. Okay. So that's, you know, if she, it, I know that it ended up working out, but it ended up being the best thing to do. But given that he, he didn't have the knowledge, his, in, his intentions, like maybe just wake her up first. Right. He didn't even try. Like, yeah, maybe the footage, if the footage, if the evidence that we had showed like, Hey, like lady, are you okay? Why are you sleeping here? Like, you know, are you okay? Like, no, he didn't like, you know, didn't do anything. He just went for the kiss. Um, somebody saying Princess Fiona is Shrek. No, Princess Fiona predates Shrek. Princess Fiona is like a Shrek. Is just a miss. Like it's a amalgamation of a whole bunch of different fantasies. She, her name is Princess Fiona because it comes from Sleeping Beauty. It's not Princess Fiona because Shrek invented her. Princess Fiona comes from Sleeping Beauty. Like this is like a very this Armin. is a very traditional fairy tale. Well, how do you guys know not know this? Did, did these people not like grow up with Disney? Even it predates oh Disney. These are like traditional stories that Disney took made into cartoons. Anyways, oh yeah, you know. Okay, then what are you saying? 
I've never thought about right. the morality of Sleeping Beauty that much. No, the, the morality of Sleeping Beauty is and Snow oh, White God. becomes very relevant because of the because none of these conservatives were ever butthurt over straight relationships, and the kids apparently were mature enough to be exposed to that that level of sexuality. But as soon as two princes all of a sudden hold hands, all of a sudden all the kids are going to get confused because it's not about gay stuff; it's just sexuality as a whole. Bull crap! It's about sexuality as a whole, and you know the kids not mature enough. You were never complaining when they were straight. Anyways, unless they're showing porn to kids, gay Whoa. porn to kids, unless that's what they're showing, then you have no right. You have no input in no position to complain. Okay, and that's a friendly reminder to please like this video. Because yes, Armin saying words that YouTube really doesn't. Yes, like. YouTube. I'm not. Please do not strike us down. I'm not in favor of showing porn to kids. I'm just showing how ridiculous. Don't say it again. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> we have an algorithm to contend oh. with. Somebody thinks Sleeping Beauty is. Oh, am I getting Aurora. my princesses wrong? Okay, yeah, maybe I'm getting. Aurora, I couldn't remember. Okay, never mind. I got my princesses wrong. I don't care. I don't care. Come at me. Sue me. Uh, can I clap? Yes. Next news. Next news. Atheist pirates clearing illegal religious signage from public life. Atheist street pirates, a subgroup of the Los Angeles-based group Atheists United, has been actively clearing out religious signage illegally posted in public places since 2021. The street pirates began as a joke at an Atheist United meeting when members complained about religious signage all over the city. The idea started as a quote-unquote religious, re religious rubbish removal, which eventually became the Atheist Street Pirates. The group is not removing any signage from any church property, as those signs maintain the separation of church and state. Evan Clark, the executive director of Atheist United, said he understands that people put a lot of passion behind these signs in their messages. I just wanted to do this as a casual thing to keep our streets secular. The group has already tracked more than 70 signs across Los Angeles County on their Google Map database. They have an inventory with photos and locations of the signage they encountered. To maintain consistency, Clark also said that if his team encountered any atheist signage in the public space, they would take that down as well. I'm against this. Separation of church and state, that doesn't mean that you can't have religious uh, adver advertisement of religious in public places. Separation of church and state means that you can't have religion in government. It doesn't mean like no public advertisement of anything religious. This is, I think this is a violation of free speech. And it, like, if no, you believe not. that and it, okay. What do you think separation of church and state means that people can't put on an ad, a religious ad in public? No. So the idea is not that this is literally a violation of constitutional rights. These signs are illegal. They're not supposed to be there. Right. Why? So because it, it it's clutter, it's litter, it can damage public property. Um, it okay, can distract people. It can distract what? people on the highway. It, when, there's no problem if it's on their own property, but technically, in these public places, it is illegal. And then why they, did they state that? The, why? First of all, two things based on that. Why did they say separation of church and state? One, two. Are they removing other ads that have nothing to do with religion, or just a religion one? Well, okay. Because if to be they, fair, it wasn't them. That, 
saying the mm-hmm. separation of church and state, it was our writers talking about that it's fine and not a violation or it's not illegal because of these things anymore because when it's on their own property. Okay. So, okay. So if this is illegal, then the religious nature of them doesn't make them illegal. Any other no. advertisement would also be illegal like this, right? So let's just be clear about that. And also this is not putting, I just want to be clear with our community that putting a sign that says Jesus is the way, okay, in public is not a violation of church and state separation, okay? Because you should be you should be in favor of religious people being able to advertise your religion in public spaces if you're in favor of free speech that's an expression of free speech if they're doing it in a way that is against the law that is hazardous that is like providing um it's like i don't know spreading garbage or whatever and you have to be consistent like you would have to take down a similar sign that is promoting for example atheist republic would also be illegal Mm -hmm. and would also have the same we, you you should be against that as well, right? Just be consistent with it, right? That's all. Anyways, that's all I have to say because I want to. I have a meeting with my family uh, in fifteen minutes, and I want to make sure we get. I get to that. Yeah. No, I just want to say th- they're not trying to say that th- this is about them. This group being bothered by the fact that they see so much religious preaching everywhere in Los Angeles, and they're like, "We're we don't like the how." This reflects our community because a lot of it is very fear-based messaging about going to hell and repenting and all this stuff. And it's like, we just want to clean this up. We would like our streets to not overrepresent a certain religious population because we have a really diverse community here. Okay, and I said my... Uh, no one likes to hear okay. about hell, you know? Okay. Um, sure. Uh, well, I mean, I said already my opinion. I just want to don't. I want to make sure that we... We get to the next news. <laughs> I can see the battle within you. <laughs> like, I want to say something, but I have a time constraint. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. Uh, can we clap for the next news? Um, yes. Sure. Next news. Next news. South Africa's draconian internet censorship laws, a danger to atheists. On February 11th, South Africa President South African President Cyril uh, Ramaphosa and Communications Minister Kumbodzo uh, Nasavheni signed a proclamation enacting the Internet Censorship Act of 2019, giving extensive power over to the Film and Production Publications Board, or FP, FPB. The bill was intended to, quote, protect children from disturbing and harmful content and, quote, unquote, regulate the online distribution of content. However, civil rights watchdogs warn of the chilling effect this law could have on free expression. Dominic Cole, the the founder of uh, Ellipsis Ellipsis Regulatory Solutions, a legal advisory firm specializing in telecommunications law criticized the law stating that the bill is extremely badly written adding if i upload something which someone else finds objective and they think it is hate speech they will be able to complain to the fpb dean kruger the a leader of atheist republic's cape town consulate fears that the law could be used against secular or online content stating to the atheist republic news team the troubling aspect of the act is the vague definition of what amounts to hate speech dean added 
we understand this restriction and have been especially aware of toward, um, to direct our criticism of religion at the religions per se and not the followers of any religion. All right. And we have a video. This yeah. So I wanted to cover this because Dean came to me and he also runs our Atheist Republic uh, Cape Town YouTube channel, which is our uh, African uh, Atheist Republic channel. So guys, please check out the channel. Um, and he was saying, Susanna, like, I might have to stop doing this channel. I might have to stop oh doing God. content because of this internet law that came into effect because Whoa. there's so many different aspects to it that we can't get into about you like you having to register all this stuff with the board before you do it then basically makes putting any content online like possibly illegal or in contravention of the law like just any video on youtube putting it could be in contravention of this law and it's impossible it would it's, so dean was telling me about this and so i wanted to cover this and also um, on our website, we interviewed Dean about this issue. And so Dean on the uh, Atheist Republic Cape Town YouTube channel did a whole video about this um, issue in this bill. It was hilarious um, with another uh, Atheist Republic community member, Teresa, um, about this law. And wait, what's it titled? It's titled Atheist Republic Cape Town Internet Censorship Bill Implications and Discussion. So I really encourage you guys to go check out this video because I learned a lot about this bill. And it is very interesting how much hate speech is again couched as a thing towards about objectionable content all in these things that are, you know, offensive to religious sensibilities. So there are aspects of it that just reeked of a blasphemy law to me. And I would, and now it's in effect in South Africa. But the one benefit is that's not actually the focus of this bill. This bill is more focused on revenge porn. And then they kind of stuffed all this stuff in it. Um, and it would, it would be almost impossible to enforce. Um, but I am concerned about the status of free speech in South Africa and how this can affect, you know, people who really openly mm. criticize religion in South Africa because of this. All right, so just one final point before we go to the next news. Uh, people who are interested in, you know, secular secularism and atheism in Africa as a whole, like I know this is called Atheist Republic Cape Town, but this is not just this channel is not just about South Africa. It's about all uh, secular and atheist related thing in uh, the entirety of Africa. So if you're interested in that, um, just uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel called Atheist Republic Cape Town, and also go watch this video and give it a like. Um, Cool. <clears throat> they're doing another great work there. I'm so proud. I hope they get to keep doing what they're doing. I know Dean makes good content. Like I really yeah. like to watch their videos. It's, genuinely, it's very de detailed as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you, Dean. Anyways, can we clap for the next news? Yes. Sure. Next news. Next news. New study. Women, Republicans, and Southerners are more likely to hide their atheism. A new study published in Social Forces shows that female atheists and those from Republican, Southern, or religious backgrounds are more likely to hide their non-belief. The authors found that, it, quote, atheists in some social locations report higher levels of identity concealment. Using new survey data from a nationally representative sample of U.S. adults, the study revealed that, quote, atheists who feel like social or institutional outsiders are more likely to conceal their identity. 
In an interview with Religion News Service, Frost, the study lead's author, explained that due to being a member of a marginalized group, individuals are, quote, less likely to take on the additional stigma of being an out atheist. Eklund, another one of the authors, said the study, quote, suggests that openness about one atheist identity may help combat some of the effects of the stigma they face. And uh, Shetlul, also one of the authors, added that, quote, the ability to gather with people, to gather with fellow atheists may help encourage this openness and provide individuals with a safe space, safe place. Atheist organizations can, quote, make it easier for atheists to choose identity affirmation over concealment and even face the perceived hostility. Yeah, I have a lot of opinions in this, but it will open, it will be controversial and it will open a can of worms that we right now don't have time for it. So maybe if. Oh, I want to know though. <laughs> if we, somebody, if one of brings it up in next week's QA, then we could spend more time on it. But um, given the time that we have, but this is like, yeah, this is expected. I'm glad that we have studies that confirms it so we could address it more. So we have actually like, some evidence so if we want to address it we don't just claim that we this is just what we see in our communities right we we actually have data to back it up that's always important um but yeah i thought it was really interesting how because the one author was talking about you know like being from a marginalized group you you're unlike you're, you're less willing to take on additional stigma and it was funny because i that's not like women Republicans and Southerners are not who, you know, we normally think of as a marginalized group, but they framed it in um, relation to feeling like a social or institutional outsider, which I thought was really interesting. Um, (laughs) It goes funny as saying as a girl originally from the South, this kind of makes sense. I feel called out. Damn. Can you give us a tease of your controversial thoughts? I think like it's um, both some elements of social pressure and also nature. Like there's some, there is not, it's not all social differences. It's also some, some other things as well. That would be interesting. I see how this gets spicy now. (laughs) Okay. Um, can we clap for the next news? Well, I don't like it, but we're gonna clap for it because it's Atheist right. Republic news, and it's always time. It's always good to clap for Atheist Republic news. <laughs> okay, okay. Next news. Next news. YouTube rejects Atheist Republic's monetization application. So, guys, we've talked about it, you know, many times, but it comes up again and again. And it is the fact that we are fully demonetized on YouTube. And we have been for over a year now because of supposedly violating their community standards on hate speech. What did they, what did we do that was hateful? They won't tell us. Where did we violate this? They won't tell us. They just throw a vague accusation at us, you know, take away just a stream of revenue, <laughs> just rip it out from underneath us and uh, just say, go fix it. And so we've, you know, deleted hundreds of videos. We've been trying to reapply for months. And when you submit for reapplication, um, 
it says that it the that your um, submission will be under review and that you'll hear back from YouTube in a month. And we applied in September and we still haven't heard back. So I have been tweeting at uh, Team YouTube on Twitter and bothering them, saying, you know, talking about how unfair they've been treating us and the frustrations in working with them as a creator on this platform. And so on March 3rd, I tweeted, at Team YouTube, we have been demonetized for a year. We've reapplied for monetization in September, and we still haven't heard back. We deleted half of our library, 10 years worth of work, and still nothing from you. Why do you treat your creators like this? And then they tweeted back and being like, oh, we'll go look at this, blah, blah, blah. And then a few days later on March 6th, they say, update, upon checking, we found out that your channel doesn't comply with our terms. As a result, you'll lose access to monetization tools and features associated with the YouTube partner program, which is the monetization program. Note that once you've made the changes, you can reapply in 30 days. So I was like, oh, great. I just found out that our application for monetization got rejected again for no reason. But it hasn't been rejected because if you actually well, go to the monetization, you actually see that our reapplication is still, it says under review and it says if you go actually to the, like you look at the channel monetization page, it says you reapplied on September 27, 2021. We will review your channel and email you with a decision typically within a month. This was in September 2021. They said it takes a month and we still haven't heard back to them. They say that this application was rejected, but you can see that it hasn't been rejected because when it gets rejected, it tells you here and it tells you when you can reapply. That hasn't happened. So this reply tweet is they're saying this, but that's not actually what has happened. So I don't know. I think this is just a canned response. Like this is like nobody, they just copy and paste these responses. No, usually when you get canned responses, this is the first time it was different. Okay. Okay. So what did you respond? Oh, so then I responded. You said the reapplication takes a month. It took almost six months. We deleted hundreds of videos because you went to tell us which videos violated your policies and how we've been, de we've been demonetized for a year. This is insane. How did we not comply with the terms? And then they just said, go, oh, just go check out the article on our website. Go check your email for, you know, explaining what you did wrong. And the email is, you violated HSP policies. That's yeah, it. Like, so they reply, they reply, <laughs> didn't wait. Where, didn't tell us why. <laughs> like, they, they reply, wait, we recommend checking out the article previously provided for more information about content that can be monetized on YouTube. Also learn about our monetization policies here. Guys, we have deleted you the mildest of like any any video that could potentially be hate speech, uh, even though it's not because we don't do hate speech. We remove them, and we know how YouTube cons what YouTube considers hate speech. Like we had videos of defending minorities, but because we quoted other people who were against minorities, uh, they thought that we we're saying that, and we got a strike for it, and we challenged that, and they were like, "Oh, that was not hate speech." We had videos of us describing other people's like a, a church's conspiracy theory about the pandemic and be fighting against these conspiracy theories. And they thought that we we're spreading misinformation about the pandemic, even though it wasn't us. We were just reporting other people reported spreading it. And we were like clearly against it. We got a strike for it and we challenged it. And that strike was removed. But at least with the strikes, you know which video they have a problem with. And then you could challenge that. When it comes to demonetization, they don't tell you. That's why we had to delete 
years worth of work we had to delete it off of youtube channel because we thought like if we delete all of these videos potentially it will capture the videos that they have an issue with but our reapplication hasn't has been in they haven't even processed our reapplication a reapplication that has to take they say takes a month we've been waiting for it for six months and we have been under uh, not monetized for about a year and their their responses to us goes like oh you got you have been denied even though we haven't yet been denied so because we haven't been denied we can't even reapply again like at least if we were denied then we could reapply again but now it's we're just in that limbo and we can't even reapply um and then like okay even and even when we eventually are able to reapply we don't know what to do because what are we going to do should we de delete another half of what we have up because we don't know which ones to de delete so it's like ridiculous. Like they just they just don't want us to be here because we don't know what to do. I you know it's ridiculous for our channel to be accused of hate speech because our channel is so dedicated to make sure that we don't cross the line on being anti-people. Like we are a channel that is very aggressively against religion but is also very aggressively pro people and pro minorities, pro people, pro oppressed people. Like we are the we are a, the, a great channel that is an example of how to make sure that you're, if you're against Islam, you don't hate, turn that into hatred towards Muslims. And in fact, not only you don't turn that into hatred towards Muslims, you go out of your way to defend Muslims against any form of discrimination and hatred. If you're against Hinduism, how you don't turn that into hatred towards Hindus and you go out of your way to defend Hindus and you express um, you know, you try to, you, you know, we are we are the channel that tries to be a place for people that are frustrated with religion and we provide them a place for them to be able to express that without encouraging them to turn that into hatred towards any group of people. This is this is the channel that does that. If you want if you are against hate speech against groups of people. I think nobody has done a better job at making sure that we we have a red line between between going after ideas versus going after people. This is a channel dedicated to that. And we are if we are being accused of hate speech, like what is your hate speech? Like we haven't violated any of YouTube's community guidelines. They keep like, oh, just read this article. We have read it many times. We don't but violate Daniel any Hakikiju of it. gets to have ads on his videos. Yeah, Daniel Hanjaju, who ad publicly advocates for execution of LGBT community, um, he does he gets to have monetization, but we who we might get we might be even demonetized for simply mentioning that Daniel Hanjaju advocates for the execution of LGBT people, and he has monetizations on his channel, and we don't. So, guys, if it's this so is frustrating. It, yeah, and we guys we need the money. Like we have expenses, we have a lot of expenses. We can't. There's a lot of things that we can't do because of this demonetization. By the way, guys, if you want to support us because of all this demonetization, our Patreon is in the in the description. Please consider supporting us on Patreon. Link is in the description. And um, please like the video. Please share our channel so that we grow, so that we could get more people to support us. Uh, and also, please, 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 if you know anybody that has that could help us with YouTube. Uh, that has any connections or have any knowledge of what, how we deal with this demonetization, please, please, please email us your your connections or your advice to Susanna. The email is susanna at atheistrepublic.com.
right? So Susanna, I think, is posting that in the live chat. And again, please support us in any way you can. Please don't support us financially if you're struggling. Please, please make sure you do not support us financially if you're struggling financially. And we appreciate just the likes and shares of our videos. That's a lot of support as well, okay? So, you, yeah, so this is Susanna's email. Thank you, Susanna, for putting that there in the live chat. Susanna mm -hmm. at atheistrepublic.com. Um, before we end today, I do have a short announcement. So next week, there will not be a news next week. There won't be a news show next week because Armin and I, we need a break. Um, we've been working really hard for two years straight. Um, so next week we are going to be, uh, well, not, no, no, not next. We'll have the Q and a. This coming week, we have the and then there won't be news show on. Um, it's the nineteenth if you're in North America, and I guess the twentieth pretty much everywhere else. Uh, but then we will be back again on Saturday the twenty sixth or Sunday the twenty seventh, depending on what time zone we live in. So we will be back, and I will remind you guys about it. Uh, during yes. the Q and A is still there though, right? Yes, yes, yes. So next week we'll see you on the and the Q and A. Yes. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you for everybody that has uh, stayed with us, and, and you know, through all these times and continuing to support us. We really, really appreciate it. Right. And thank you to also all our patrons because we wouldn't really, be able to do know. what we do without I know. our patrons. That's for you sure. You guys, amazing. when we got really demonetized, a, a lot of you responded by becoming patrons, and we really, really appreciate that. So thank you for that. I had a anyway, lot of fun today. Yeah, me too. <laughs> All right. So I was All saying, right. America will become a theocracy in the week that we don't cover. <laughs> oh, no, no. Oh, no. Okay, okay. All right, guys. Talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.